just when you thought it was safe to put on your headphones? You entered the darkest, wildest, sexiest depths of technology. And here to keep you on the bleeding edge of science, tech, and ethics is the Rated R Radio Star, the man of tomorrow, the golden stallion of the tech world, Brian Sovereign. He has a huge brain. And now, here's Brian. Well, hell, this ain't old-fashioned. For that good old sovereign tech, though, baby, it is I, the Golden Stallion, the man of tomorrow, Savzu, the Rated-R radio star, the man that some call, whoo, in fact, the person that's in this room with me right now says, whoo, that boy is a little bit different. <laughs> and of course, I am talking about the lovely and hyper-intelligent Dr. Stephanie Murphy, and she sure as hell whoo, was talking about me last night. And it was, oh, uh, that's all I'm going to say about it. Because, well, uh, Stephanie, welcome to the show. Hi. What an introduction. Yes, that is a true story. I did, in fact, say uh, that if I were to describe you to somebody who was totally new and I just had to sum you up in a, a trite little phrase, I would say, boy, that Brian Sovereign. He's a little something different. <laughs> I love it, and I'll tell you, just coming off, boy, what, the, what did what did this what did this gal say? I'm assuming it's a gal. <laughs> it's on well, you can just you can wish in one hand and shit in the other and see which one fills up first. Right. I don't know if it's a gal. <laughs> well, it was little anarchia, so I'm kind of guessing that's a gal. Who said, "Have any of you?" This is on a, on my actually it was my YouTube video about egoism. Um, and it said, have any of you ever seen Brian Sovereign before, let alone listen to him? I think he's the sexiest man alive, and I don't even like men. <laughs> what <laughs> am I going to do about that? That's a great description of you, too. I mean, you are one of those guys that women and men and people who don't normally like men, but they like you. <laughs> <laughs> I'll tell you, I've, I've had, I had a gal say, it's like... She didn't like men, but she wanted to kiss me like so bad. In fact, that well, was pretty recent. I mean, I don't blame her. Hey. I I would say that I am one of those people that's clinging by a thread to heterosexuality. Like I barely, <laughs> I barely like men. There's a few, as we'll probably discuss a little later on. Oh, in the show, oh somebody's gonna be talking about Wolfie. <laughs> <laughs> There's a few, but for the most part, I prefer women. But um, I love you, Brian, and I mean, I just think you're a wonderful person, and. <sighs> Hot hot. I would say you're very, very sexy, Woo. especially for a man. Hey, all right. I could have written that comment, but I actually didn't write that comment. I so thought I you were a little anarchy. I was wondering who wrote that. <laughs> I don't know. I know. You know, I don't, I don't comment on YouTube videos. I'll yeah. watch them, but I don't think I've ever left a comment. I don't comment on them ever either. No, I mean, the comment sections can be kind of toxic. You know, like, right. I think if I was posting YouTube videos, I would just be cringing and not reading the comments. But, um, you know, sometimes there's funny ones that get voted up. Sure. Well, I'll tell you, it's getting hot in here, and, and that one might have gotten a few votes up. I don't know. But anyway, <laughs> thank you so much. And, and of course, I love you, too. So, uh, you know, now. Well, you know, it is getting hot in the studio, but we have a remedy for that, don't we? We do. Yeah, actually, we're going to. We're gonna, there's something is going to be done about this. Yeah. So here's the thing. All right. So, you know, for, for time constraints and everything, like uh, uh, I'm not, I'm not going to run the intros. 
okay, this this week, uh, the brand new intros. I know people are like, oh, come on, we want them. Uh, you're going to get them. Don't worry. They're worth but the wait. What, yeah, but what we're going to do, and unfortunately, people can't necessarily see this, and I don't think we could, we could really, I mean, we could take pictures and I could fuzz shit out or whatever, but every segment, Stephanie and I are going to be taking one article of clothing off each segment. It's just going to get hotter and hotter in here. Oh, yeah. We're <laughs> going to be playing a little strip sovereign tech. Oh, here. man. This is going to get good. <laughs> I And you know what? It's terrible. I already have. I mean, I don't, I'm not even wearing pants. I, all I have is on or my Yeah, uh, we're my not grease. wearing much right now, but yeah. it's what literally we have is going to come off. So by the end of the show, <laughs> we'll be doing this nude. Uh, and, uh, you know, I, I'm not exactly. I mean, you'll kind of have to take our word for us, but I like to think we're people of our word. So there you go. Uh, imagine that how you will, folks. Woo. <laughs> anyway. Well, well, can I just start off by saying, Please. I'm so excited that you asked me to be on the show tonight because, you know, we were going grocery shopping earlier today. It's like a mundane, you know, Saturday weekend doing our little errands and yes. stuff. And, um, you know, we parked in the parking lot of the grocery store and I said, so what are you going to talk about on your show tonight, Brian? And And you turned to me and you said, would you like to be on the show with me? And I said, oh, that's so sweet. Thank you. <laughs> yes, I would like to be on the show with you. And it's something we could do together. And it will be a fun Saturday night. I'll tell you, there's only like, you know, speaking of a rare amount of people, I mean, I can think of maybe like four people that I would ask to be on this show. You know, you're certainly one of them. Thank yeah, you. I mean, absolutely. And you're always the first one, of course. You know, oh, I'm not taking you, away Brian. any of the specialness, no doubt. Uh, so anyway, whoo. Well, you know, and speaking of something special, before we get into some of our, uh, our, 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 our uh, the foreplay, even though, boy, I'm already feeling, <laughs> feeling lubed up. <laughs> Ooh. <laughs> uh, Porkfest this year, this is porkfest.com. That's P-O-R-C as in porcupine. Porkfest.com. If you want to get tickets for this, what are, I think they're like 80 bucks. So that might be a, t- I thought it was like a hundred. I think it's like 80, but it's around there. So, but anyway, you and I will be there for some of it. Now, I was originally just going to be giving, uh, well, a, a main talk on the main pavilion stage uh, on Friday. I think that's the 23rd yeah. of the event. The, the event is from June 21st to June 25th, mm-hmm. uh, 2017, obviously, this year. And on the 23rd, I, I at 3 p.m., I'm going to be giving my talk. Uh, about uh, you know reclaiming privacy in a mobile world, and uh, in fact, I have some interesting points I might bring up during that because now you know if people listen to Patreon, the the, the Google I/O review I did on Patreon this week, uh, Google is now an AI first company, not a mobile first company. I also think Microsoft's heading in that direction, uh, and so with that in mind, like how much does mobile even matter, right? I mean, the, the well, anyway. We'll talk about that during that during that talk as well. But after the fact, from four to five, I will be doing a workshop, and you're actually going to be helping out with that, Stephanie. You're going to be—I'll be one of the helpers along with Pixel. Yep, so along with your Pixel. favorite uh, ladies of Sovereign Tech. Absolutely, pa- in the flesh, helping out. Yeah, Paige Peterson, and you will be there to to help people get stuff installed, to help get, their get their things secured. into shape. Yeah. So I think that's a good, that's a great um, way to be at Porkfest. How and could you not want to attend that? Yeah. You know? There might even be. Are, are you going to do a live Sovereign Tech? We haven't figured that we, out. I yet. haven't totally figured that out yet. So I will say this. If you like Sovereign Tech and you also listen to our podcast that we do together, Sex and Science Hour. Right. Um, then if there's gonna be a live Sovereign Tech at Porkfest, there might as well be a live Sex and Science Hour. It's fair we just point. haven't figured out whether we're going to do that yet. Right. Which so we'll by keep you posted, of course. Yeah, which by the way, I think next week we will be restarting Sex and Science Hour. 
week after next. Week after next. Okay. All right. Just so people know. But to, to you know, uh, soothe. We're uh, on our season break right now. Yeah. You know, but just to soothe everybody's expectations here, you're all here. You've been on actually, boy, in the past four episodes, you've been on three of them. I think something along those three lines. Three out of four on, ain't bad. Hey, all right. Uh, but anyway, I will also just to add on to uh, at Porkfest on Thursday at noon. Um, I will be, uh, well, there, I don't know. It has a bunch of different names now. I don't think it's just called alt expo. I think now it's called, um, oh hell. I can't think of it. What's really? that? I didn't know. That. Yeah. What, what's that country where they, where they tell you to go when you're an anarchist? Somalia. Somalia. I think they call it Somalia fest or something now. I don't know. But anyway, okay. There, there's, there's like, there's always alt expo, which is a lot of fun, which I've actually spoken at alt expo, uh, which is like a, an interior event within the event itself, uh, you know, within pork fest itself. Um, I've spoken at that in, in years past and I so will be, I. yeah, I will be speaking again, um, actually on Thursday, that Thursday, which I guess would be the 20, 22nd, um, at noon, for Alt Expo, and it'll be about mesh networking, I believe. And Paige Peterson will also be talking for that. So that's something else you're going to want to catch. So AKA there's, Pixel. AKA Pixel. So there's there's a lot of great shit to be catching there, and there might be some live shows. I mean, you you just you don't know what's going to be happening at Porkfest this year. Uh, but I, I know for, for quite a few people, I mean, a lot of people, um, you know, relatively, this is going to be quite a draw. You know, seeing the Golden Stallion live and in color, baby. And I can't wait to do it. So it's, uh, you know, certainly an honor for me. So anyway, uh, enough about that with Porkfest. Uh, the other thing I want to mention is that for patrons only, and I've got more patrons this week. Uh, I'm honored by that. But for if you're a Patreon patron of Sovereign Tech, and again, all we ask is a dollar a month. I mean, some people do a whole hell of a lot more than that. And I, and I love, you know, I'm so honored by that. But all we ask is a dollar a month. You get access to hundreds of hours of content. And tomorrow... Uh, that being, let's see, that would be May 28th. May 28th will be uh, a live hangout Q&A. Totally live video, the whole thing. You can ask me questions right on the go. You know, no editing whatsoever. It's just going to be a straight shoot. And uh, and that's going to be a great time. So tomorrow, Sunday, you know, if you're not doing anything with family or waving some kind of ridiculous flag, then, you know, come on and, and you know, come on board at 4 p.m., 4 p.m. Eastern time. Uh, and if when you become a patron, if you're not a patron yet, when you become a patron, you'll get the post that'll have the links for you to be able to be a part of it. So, yeah, it's going to be a fantastic time. And then, like, a couple days later, because I needed to do two for May, there's going to be another live Q&A hangout. So if you can't catch the one on Sunday, there's going to be another one. You just want to keep an eye on Patreon. Look for those Patreon posts from Sovereign Tech, and you'll find out when the next one is. So, And it'll probably be around the same time, 4 or 5 p.m., something like that. But, yeah, Sunday, the 28th, that's, uh, well, probably the day that you're listening to this, because this is going to get released later at night uh, on Saturday when I normally release Sovereign Tech. Uh, but they're, uh, you know, I'll be there. Woo. I'll be there. You know, I'm not Michael Bolton. Wish I was. So I don't know. Do you wish I was Michael Bolton? No. Okay. I wish you were you. I like, <laughs> I like you as you are. All right. Perfect. Nothing against Michael Bolton. Yeah. Nothing against I, Michael Bolton's phenomenal. Yeah. He's uh, awesome. Oh, man. Loved so, his Valentine's Day special. That was incredible. <laughs> did we ever review that? I don't know if we did. I don't think we did. But that we mentioned it brief, briefly. But. Yeah, I think we mentioned it because that was great. He did a Valentine's Day special for Netflix. for Netflix on Netflix only. I wish it would get released on Blu-ray or something. Not to say I don't have a 4K copy of it, but oh, it was so good. It was just hilarious and, and sexy at the same time. 
So anyway, uh, why don't we break into uh, the foreplay? You know, why don't we get into some of these stories? Let's and, do it. Yeah. And then we got a hell of a lead story uh, that we'll be getting into. Uh, and just, well, lots of great stuff to talk about. So anyway, uh, you know, uh, an, an irony here, and I didn't really plan this. A lot of this, this uh, you know, a lot of the stories that I plan to talk about this week, I actually planned not realizing you'd be on the show. Um, and, but it's ironic because this story is somewhat relevant to one of the last times that you were on the show, which it was some time ago. It wasn't one of the recent uh, appearances, but it has to do with uh, universal basic income. So, and you were on the episode with me and, and, you know, I could sum this up a bit, but I, I would, I think I'd safe for me to say that you're not uh, supportive of UBI of universal basic income. Is that correct? Uh, no. <laughs> yeah. You're not supportive. No. Right. Okay. Yeah. Me neither. I, I, I really don't see it. I see it. I mean, just in brief, I see it as a incremental step that is meaningless. Like, like you, you don't even have to take that step, I think, to get to where, well, maybe some people want to go, whatever that ends up looking like. But anyway, um, this is kind of a response to, or really or an update, I guess, on a theory that I have held for some time. And of course I've been uh, <laughs> filling your ear with for some time now, which is that Mark Zuckerberg, I think, is running for president. Um, now there's a lot of people talking about this and there's people saying, oh, it actually might even be The Rock. It might be Dwayne Johnson that's going to run and it's going to be between, you know, The Rock and Mark what? Zuckerberg in 2020. People oh, are I serious heard about that this. one yet. Yeah. Okay, so so for people who aren't familiar, I know your theory about why you think Mark Zuckerberg is going to try to run for president of the U.S. in 2020. But for people who are not in the know, briefly lay it out. Ooh, uh, okay. What's briefly. the evidence that he's planning a presidential? Well, uh, the short version of it is that he is doing a, he has set up the way that, that he did the recent C round of selling shares allows him to run for political office and still be in control of Facebook for one. He will be, uh, 35 in 2020, like literally a month. Just making the cutoff for the age that by, you have to be. Right, to be to run, for, to run for president, like by a month. I mean, it's amazing how close it is. He has recently, or he's he's on a, uh, uh, like a tour of all the states in the United States that he's never visited before, right? Right now, he's doing that right now, this summer. Mm. Um, and also, uh, let's see, what was what was the other other bit? Oh yeah, he he changed his, uh, his mind on, like he's an atheist or he was an atheist. Now he says, oh yeah, well, but I understand spirituality and all that, like I kind of get it. So he softened on his atheism, atheism mm -hmm. uh, which that's another thing. I mean, you're never going to get elected if you don't have some oh, kind yeah, of respect no for God. Uh, and I'm sure he'd be happy to, you know, claim anything. And really, why would you want to go to Wyoming or Idaho if you've never, if you weren't running for president? Yeah, really, well, yeah. <laughs> so, uh, so, and, so I think that's kind of compelling. I mean, it seems like there's a lot of smoke and there could be fire. Yeah, I, I think there's some other aspects too. Those are the, those are kind of the larger ones, but I mean, there's more like uh, the, 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 you know, kind of the, well, the relations with China are not very good with with Trump in office, mm -hmm. and and I think that's something that Mark Zuckerberg could uniquely, uh, uh, you know, assuage. And that being, you know, I mean, it's almost like a situation only Nixon could go to China. Well, only Zuckerberg could go to China, and he has, um, and they love him there. Mm. So that his wife is Chinese, right? Yeah. yeah. Uh, so he's and he can speak it. You know, he can speak Mandarin fairly mm. well. Um, I mean, there's a lot of lot of good evidence, you know, going as far as w with that. Now, when I talked about this on a recent an episode of Sovereign Tech, 
Um, and this is before now every everybody's talking about it like he's going to be running for president. I was saying it well before everybody yeah, was on board. Yeah, that's true. With you this. were saying it before, right? It started becoming more mainstream. Yeah, exactly. So, but now he, or one thing I said was that, and I said I'll tell you, this is something he's going to do: is he's going to have UBI, Universal Basic Income, be part of his, you know, his platform, part of his campaign. Uh, and he was just giving a commencement speech at Harvard just this past Thursday. And at the commencement speech, he said, let's see if I've got the words right here. Quote, as our technology keeps on evolving, we need a society that is more focused on providing continuous education through our lives. End quote. Or, well, I'll keep quoting. Quote, and yes, giving everyone the freedom to pursue purpose isn't going to be free. People like me should pay for it. And a lot of you are going to do really well. And you should too. Uh, and there's a lot more in there, but the bottom line is, is that he was really making a case for universal basic income or what sounded to a lot of people like he's saying, yeah, there needs to be this basic income that just everybody's going to get. So that way they have this baseline, they can eat, they can, you know, have a place to live. And then that way they can go and pursue their dreams. Um, and so I just find it interesting. I said this, and this is something nobody else was reporting on that he would talk about UBI. I got this. The reason I thought that he was going to run off of UBI. Well, I mean, first off is this, a lot of Silicon Valley is talking about UBI needing to be a thing. Second off is that he read a book last year, which was the first book of the culture series by, uh, by Ian M. Banks, which is all about this post-scarcity kind of, you know, socialist anarchist you know, kind of paradise, World. Yeah, you know, in space. And it, I mean, they're great books. I love them. Uh, you know, in the rare best, it's one of the rare cases of best-selling anarchist fiction uh, out there, you know, just in the world entirely outside of Ursula K. Le Guin and some others. Um, so but it's not golden black anarchism. <laughs> no, well, no, it's certainly not that, <laughs> you know, it's not yellow and black, but that's, I mean, you know, yellow is the color of cowardice, but uh, well, ooh, sorry. Um, I think you're better off when you said gold, but okay. Uh, yeah. So Zuckerberg. Um, yeah, I, I you know, that's all I was basing my you know, it was just OK. He, he has these two points going for him being in Silicon Valley. And he talked about this book and he made it like a really big deal that I read this book. Everybody else should read this book. And it makes me think, yeah, he's he's shooting for kind of this pseudo post scarcity uh, uh, situation. And I think he'll make it part of his platform. Will he ever actually make it happen, even if he wins the presidency? I, I doubt it. But <laughs> why do you think Silicon Valley wants uh, universal basic income? Uh, I think because to do so. All right. That, that's a great question. I think a lot of the big the tech giants, shall we say, in Silicon Valley, they won't they clearly have big plans and everybody realizes that, that they have some kind of end game, some kind of big plan end game. And they and but they just won't tell us what it is. OK, and that's why they you know, they don't do anything about products that they release right now. Okay, products and services and apps, whatever those may be, it be it a search engine, whatever the whatever the hell, okay, that fail hard, but they won't tell any like like they don't do anything about it. The reason they don't do anything about it is that these services like are going to get better over time. Okay. What do you mean they don't do anything about it? What would they do if it well, they failed? They don't address it. Like like Apple never tells anybody. Yeah, we know that they never come out and say we know Siri sucks. We're going to try and fix that for you. They know that the steps that that a lot of these services are at, okay, be it the virtual assistants or whatever, um, they're at a, they're at kind of their learning stage, in that this is just a point that they've got to get past. And a lot of these like technologies that don't interact very well, like uh, Google Home doesn't interact perfectly well with Google Search or you know wh whatever 
whatever the, the ecosystem is that doesn't seem to just work very well, but they just keep on pushing it, even though for years nothing really delivers on what they're talking about, is because they have some kind of end game where things have to be the way they are right now um, before they can get to this whatever this they perfect magic point stone is supposed to, to something be. bigger. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Now, some people want to say it's artificial intelligence. I mean, that's that's a whole other conversation as far as what that is. But that's the thing is that most people, most tech journalists that I listen to now, they all they all recognize this. I, I, I've known this for a while. And I've said, I was like, I wish these companies would just come out and say what the fuck they're doing. What's the end goal? You know, like what's, what is your end game? What are you trying to actually build? And they, they won't do it. And that's why everything they do looks so stupid. Be, okay. Ahead. So, so how do you think that happened? Why are they all sort of marching toward this technocratic centrally planned society or whatever? Well, that's a guess that that's what they're going for. But what else could it be? I don't know. That's the thing. I, I just wish they would tell us, but I think it might be something like so, so outlandish, so ridiculous and, and probably so that unpalatable they that they won't tell people. Yeah. Because... So, but, but how does that, how does that get orchestrated? Is it just something that every computer science student learns in school or every business student kind of learns in like a unconscious way in school and then that's when they get to be like a ceo like driving a company that's where they end up going or do they have like literal meetings and parties where they're like hey wouldn't it be cool if we could basically like read people's minds with technology and know what they're going to buy and influence their feelings and thoughts oh i think they have those parties i think they have those gatherings i mean there's a place called the battery which honestly, anybody that goes to the battery, I wouldn't trust them for a fucking lick. Like I, I'd be. What's the battery? It's this. It's a. It's like a club in you know in Silicon Valley, in San Francisco. Yeah, that that people you, you like. It's invite only that you get into, and supposedly the biggest conversations in the world kind of happen in this place. Um, and I just don't trust anybody that wants to fucking go in that place. I mean, because these, these guys, well, I mean, you know, there was like what, Bohemian Grove. Yeah, well, it's weird. I mean, what, well, financial, so it's, it's basically the Bohemian Grove of Silicon Valley. Yeah, but it's real. <laughs> I mean, I mean, Bohemian Grove to a degree they is real Bohemian too, right? Grove is real too. Sure. But I don't, well, that's, that's another conversation. I mean, I'm not, I don't doubt that there are like backroom deals and like smoky, you know, dark rooms and stuff where meetings take place, but I I don't know. It just seems so like anytime you allege that there's kind of a conspiracy going on, it's like, OK, well, a conspiracy requires a lot of people to be all be in on it. And the more people you bring in on something, the harder it is to keep secret. So what's the evidence that this is really going on and that all these people are keeping it a secret? OK, well, so so here's so you have this this part of it. I mean, each one of these guys has a, or each one of the tech giants pretty much has a skunk works division of some kind. OK, they have what's skunk works. Skunk works means like a like a secret lab where they develop like wild shit okay? okay um and that's not conspiracy theory because eventually it comes out like who knew the amazon echo was getting developed nobody had a fucking clue that labs one two three was was developing the amazon echo mm -hmm. okay and then it comes out and it woo suddenly everybody you know jumps on jumps on top of it okay um but the financial times larry page was saying you know why can't we have a future where houses cost you know, like practically nothing like he went into he laid out this entire post scarcity future. Uh, the idea of Google of Google cities, literal Google, Google run cities. I mean, there's patents for this, you know, I, it, like it, it's not it's not conspiracy theory. It's just they won't tell you that, like what it all eventually is end up going, you know, end up going to be looking like. Um, and I'm trying to think how we got how we got started on this this whole conversation. Because you Zuckerberg, asked a great question. Zuckerberg wants universal basic income, but why does Silicon Valley want it? Right. So yeah. So there's some kind of end game that they have in mind. They know that they're automating the shit out of everything, and that there won't be jobs. 
Okay. And now, I mean, the retort to that is that, well, during the industrial age, you know, people made the same claim that everybody, you know, the basket weaver is going to be out of a job or something, but the basket weaver ended up with a job anyway. Uh, yeah, just a different job. Just a different kind of job. And, you know, okay, maybe. I mean, there are definitely sectors that are going to disappear. And I, I mean, there's definitely... There are entire job like things that, you know, the big one that I mentioned to a lot of people is that, yeah, I think the and in fact, a lot of truck drivers or some truck drivers that I've heard from or, you know, kind of kind of hearsay to some degree said that, you know, they know that their jobs are coming to an end and they don't mind. OK, but here's the thing. When the truck driver industry goes out, that's not the only thing that goes out. Sirius XM goes out. Right. Because who's the number one people that listen to radio all fucking day long? Truck drivers. Yeah. You know, they're the ones that call in. I mean, like, it's a funny thing. Like, I listen to Sirius. I love Sirius XM. I, I listen to it often. And I'm always wondering, I'm like, why are, why is it always these, like, Southern guys that are constantly calling into, like, these metal shows or something? Like, I don't know that many, me you know, Southern dudes that listen to metal. And I lived in the South for a yeah. while. When we and, when we did talk radio, we were on a show that was on the radio. And it was right. on Sirius at one point. And uh, we would get so many truckers calling in. Yeah, so I believe yeah. that's true. And I'm not saying every every Southerner is a trucker or that every trucker is a Southerner. I'm just saying that, you know, there there are numbers to, you know, to back up like that. That's that's a thing. Sure. And but I mean, they listen to Sirius at gyms and stuff, too. And yeah. Then, like any job where you're kind of like not having to talk to anybody. Yeah. But I, th I think a lot of those subscriptions are going to disappear. I mean, like like, you know, there's whole sectors that you just don't know that are going to get affected. I mean, it's the nature of the beast, you know. Yeah. But isn't the economy always changing like that? And people find their people find different jobs. I mean, if they get displaced, well, yeah, that's it sucks. yes, it's that's painful, the counter but argument. They end up finding something different, right? That's the counter argument. But for whatever reason, Silicon Valley either doesn't know what those jobs are, or you know, they they have some kind of insights, whether they would end up being the reality or not, that makes them think that UBI needs to be a thing. Um, See, I just think maybe it has something to do with uh, the cost of housing in San Francisco, which is so high because of largely because of regulations that the city has imposed and the artificial sort of scarcity of housing in that area. I think the tech companies can't afford to pay people to live where they want to be and work. Yeah, and so but, they want somebody else to pay for their basic living costs. Yeah, but then but then just lobby San Francisco. Like don't you know, don't spend the money lobbying the entire country. You know, like that's yeah, the but thing. I don't know. They they might think that San Francisco would never do that unless everybody did it. Because if you think about it, if San Francisco did do that, then everyone would just try to come move to San Francisco. So you have to have it everywhere, or else there's yeah, a people there's a migration problem too. I don't know if it's just San Francisco. I because I mean, like especially since so much of these companies rely upon growth. You know, I I have a hard time believing any of these companies don't want the world to be one giant fucking city. I I, I mean. It, they, yeah, they, they probably do want that. But yeah. I mean, are they going to get their wish? I I don't know. But I mean, I I think you're making an interesting point and I don't completely disagree that I think it's it's totally possible that Silicon Valley wants UBI by and large. You know, the, a lot of a lot of the people, the movers and shakers, they think it would be a great thing if everybody got paid by the government just for being alive. Yeah. I mean, they're making the open case for the nation. They're not just talking one area. Like, I mean, you, yeah. know, you can look up the articles written by the bigwigs in Silicon Valley. I mean, and they're not just talking one area. Um, but yeah, please continue. Yeah. No, I mean, I was just I guess I was just sort of trying to ask about the motivations for that. Like, why do you think they really want that? And we've both sort of ventured a guess about why. Mm -hmm. So. 
unless you have any other reasons we can move on. But I just thought that was kind of interesting. So, okay, well, we've predicted it now. It's 2017. <laughs> yeah. 27th. Well, I uh, just wanted to say I'm right. Like, I mean, this is just another, you know, another feather in the cap of Zuckerberg running for president, I think. It's the start of his platform. And and this is something that I said, and I know I more or less alone said. I mean, it was a safe guess, certainly. But um, that that would be directly a part of his a part of his platform going forward. And, you know, it's just... It's a possibility that this is just adding on to that 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 ethos. Yeah, I mean, and and it's really interesting because I think the setup is is really nice. It's looking really nice anyway. We've had Trump, you know, got elected, and so now people say now people who were witnessing that say, okay, so a political outsider who's never run held office before can get elected. Okay, mm-hmm. that's one point. And then you know we don't know what Trump's going to do with his presidency, but. Some people think he's going to, you know, basically weaken or fuck up relations with China somehow. So you have that angle, right? Where right. Zuckerberg could come in and swoop to the rescue on that. Um, and then, you know, but Trump is seen as being supported by these, like, white, rural, less educated kind of people. And there's this narrative out there, whether it's true or not, that he got elected by people who were kind of like rednecks, like backwater sure. kind of people. and uneducated right sure and this is zuckerberg represents the chance for the young people and the liberal elites to strike back at that backwater conservatism that elected trump oh and yeah say, oh you can elect a political outsider so can we and guess who it is it's mark zuckerberg <laughs> Yeah. So I think I'm concerned about that setup because yeah. I don't want the person who's in charge of the biggest surveillance apparatus there is of on the whole world also in charge of the biggest war machine there is. No, I totally agree with you. And, you know, actually, you're bringing to to mind for me uh, something that I hadn't really necessarily like put put this part together. So but there's a lot of a lot of, uh, uh, so, shall we say, Silicon Valley veterans that are running for office. Uh, Brianna Wu, I think, is running for senator or some kind of political office in Massachusetts. Um, wow. Brianna Wu, of course, is famous for Gamergate. Gamergate yeah. yeah. Um, and I don't she, even know what she what she did. in she's, Gamergate. Well, she's a game developer, uh-huh. among other things. But I mean, you know, she she's a voice out there. Um, and Jason Calacanis is running for office as well. I think there's a couple guys running in Texas like uh, I I. I could probably like rattle off some odd 30 names of Silicon Valley veterans. I'll call them that, that are all running for office in the next like, you know, year or two or, or, you know, potentially 2020 with Zuckerberg and, you know, for the presidency, uh, because, (laughs) (laughs) because I mean, you know, right. That that's the president needs is, you know, to have a degree of control over, say, the House or something like that. I mean, yeah. So if you've got a generation of people that are going to vote in all these, you know, Silicon Valley all these tech people, all the. Ooh, ooh, uh, yeah, that's scary. The one thing that didn't scare me about all the tech people in the past was that they didn't really have political power. They the only power they had was what they could code. But which some people would say is a greater power. But yeah, continue. Well, yeah, in some ways it is. But. If you have both, that's an imbalance of power. Oh, yeah. And well, imbalances th- like that breed abuse and corruption. Sure, sure. And I should bring that point up again, is that my number one concern, particularly with Zuckerberg, like, oh, what if Zuckerberg does end up becoming president? How can Isn't that better than Trump? Uh, you're talking about a guy who owns the ultimate surveillance system in the world, that being Facebook. And he would no longer, because he would still be CEO of Facebook, 
he would not need, he wouldn't need warrants. He wouldn't need to go through any kind of, uh, 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 you know, judicial process or something to get access to information about literally billions of people. Uh, and Most that's personal information. Right. That and that's put on Facebook. Exactly. And that's fucking terrifying. In fact, you know, something, a number that I want to get at some point is, um, I'd love to get to find out what the percentage of people that actually use uh, Facebook Messenger, but use the end-to-end encryption on Facebook Messenger, because it does have the signal protocol built into it. But I, I bet you good money, a lot of people don't, don't use that. They probably, a lot of people probably still use signal. I'm not saying people are being stupid. I'm just saying, I don't think that if you're using Messenger, which a lot of people do, they, they're probably not end-to-end encrypting that because the, 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 the signal, um, and then encryption that you can put in with messenger, you know, does hide it from Facebook as well. Of course, they're still collecting metadata, but yeah, I bet there's not a lot of people using that. So, and, and that's, of course, then it's even a question of how well did they implement the signal protocol? Because even, you know, Moxie Marlin spiked the creator of the signal protocol, uh, and a, you know, head of open whisper systems and all that pretty much anytime somebody's used the signal protocol for their app outside of the actual signal app, he's usually used the statement that it's a good implementation. Or something like that. Like, it seems like very cautious language saying, yeah, it's not perfect. Uh, but you, you raise an interesting, I'm glad we had this conversation. We didn't plan on this, <laughs> but the, this is, this is a doozy of, of a thing, uh, uh, to talk about. Now I know I have listeners who are supportive of UBI or who are very supportive of UBI. Uh, and well, again, we did an episode where, where we talked about it and said how, you know, unfeasible it is. And also, you know, again, and I know there's listeners who feel the same way that it's really kind of an unnecessary step, you know, like it's, yeah, let's get to a future, you know, where the markets are, you know, really rocking and automation and all this different stuff's going on. Um, you don't need to UBI to get there. So, yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, Anyway, did you have any more comments on that? Otherwise, I got one more thing I want to get in, then we can get into no, our lead please, story. Go ahead. Yeah, so I had some other stuff I wanted to, to talk about, but I'm, I'm gonna, I'll save it for next week. That's fine. Uh, the one thing I wanted to make sure that people knew about, and this could easily fit into HackSec, but uh, you know that'll be later in the show, is uh, I do want you to go and update your media player. Your media players, like if you use uh, VLC, which that's a very popular one. You, you use VLC, yeah, Stephanie. and I did update it right on. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, popcorn time. Cody, which is exceptionally popular. We might talk about Cody and Facebook a little bit later. So that's, that's something, um, media player classic. I don't, I don't exactly know if that was affected, but you know, make sure you're using the, the latest version of that, uh, streamio, any of those, make sure you update it because what was discovered, there was actually a team, uh, a security team called checkpoint that they discovered that through subtitle files, you could download, say, from, from, you know, if you're going to a torrent site or something and you downloaded a movie and you wanted to use a subtitle file or if you downloaded a movie but you wanted to find a subtitle file that maybe, like, the Blu-ray never came with and so this is something extra that you, like, you know, you wanted your grandma to watch something in Polish or something, you know, because she only speaks Polska, you know, I mean, then, then fine, okay. Uh, and you go and find it and then you download it. That subtitle file could actually inject malware onto your, you know, onto your system. Um, so all across the board, make sure now, I mean, the instant that this was released literally within hours, I know for VLC, which is my personal favorite, uh, they had a new version released that, that patched this, this subtitle, uh, you know, injection, uh, you know, right, right up. And so I just want to make sure everybody's doing that. I posted it on social media, uh, you know, it was, it was found out a couple days ago. I posted about it instantly. Uh, but 
you want to make sure that if, if you didn't do it, then fucking do it now. <laughs> okay. Cause, cause it could, it could be bad. Um, and you know, it's a shame too, because I mean, like I never thought about it, but yeah, the system treats subtitle files just like it's some kind of text file. It, it doesn't bother to think if it's something else. And because the subtitle file sits separately from the app, like I could see where, where it has the potential to kind of break out of the sandbox. Cause that's kind of the nice thing about VLC is that largely at least it's codecs and a lot of the important aspects of it are sandboxed. Um, like if you run a WMV file, this used to be a popular thing years ago where you would, you download porn and the porn would be a WMV file. The thing is, is the reason it was a WMV file is because that would open up windows media player, which, you know, has really deep access in, you know, the windows mm. operating system. And so, you know, it would put, it would put a virus or something onto your, you know, onto your system. Um, and so that's why I've always, you know, it's for literally get you with the porn. Exactly. And that's why for a decade I've said, look, just use VLC because it's largely sandboxed. I mean, you know, like there's a lot of aspects of it that aren't tied into the operating system so much, and it has its own codex built into, uh, you know, into the media player itself. So that's not a problem. But in this case, I mean, like it's really reaching outward and then injecting. I, yeah, I, I could see where, where, you know, that little bit of security wouldn't wouldn't fit the bill this time. Uh, but again, just update it, you know, with VLC or Cody or Popcorn Time, whatever one you're using. And you really, uh, you know, you should be OK. Uh, Would, is it paranoid to suggest that maybe you should have like just a dedicated machine or something that you use if you're going to download movies or porn or subtitle files or whatever that you don't do anything else on? Uh, well, with computers, there's no such thing as too paranoid, in my opinion. You know, like as far as you want to go, go that fucking distance because, you know, it's all up to you. Uh, I mean, there's only like n not being careful enough in, in the PC, or, you know, in the tech world in my opinion. Uh, so you can't be too paranoid. I mean, this is something I recommend similarly with uh, games. Like I, you know, I tell people, I mean, look, you know, I use windows, you use windows, uh, but my important stuff, you know, if, like if it's life or death stuff, I sure as hell don't rely on anything on windows, you know? And so, yeah, I'd love it if everybody's using Linux or BSD using a different system. Right. Um, but there's one thing that certainly is important to me that you kind of can't do on those systems. And that's gaming, at least, a, at least a lot of games. Yeah. There's some games on there and it's getting better than it was years ago, but right now still the ultimate gaming system console or not is windows is windows 10 particularly. Um, and I've been telling people forever, I said, look, just have two computers, have a Linux machine where you do all, you know, where you log into accounts and that includes your Google account, whatever, and have a, just a dumb windows computer that, that doesn't log into any accounts. Doesn't, I mean, just doesn't do any of that other than maybe your steam account or something or your GOG account or whatever, and have that be your gaming machine. But it's just a dumb computer. It, you don't do anything else other than gaming on it. Or like you said, Stephanie, you watch movies on it or you do computer. your torrenting or something like that. Or a porn computer. Yeah. Have it be a porn computer, whatever, but have it be a computer like that. Just, you know, you're very, very particular. I mean, it'd be great if it's like a desktop and you actually had access, like you, you had a connected hardwire, you know, with ethernet and you could pull the ethernet cord whenever you're not using it. That way you're making fucking sure that this baby is not connected to the network when you're doing something you're not sure about whatever. So no, I think that, you know, having multiple machines, considering how inexpensive a lot of computers are today, I think it's, it's a totally viable, wonderful thing to do uh, for your security. So that's not a, that's not a bad suggestion at all. Stephanie. I think that's a very good one. Uh, so anyway, uh, we'll be right back with the, uh, well, we're going to get into well, our story. Of the week. Speaking Go of ahead. that, it's getting kind of hot in the studio. 
Oh, it's getting hot. When the first break was we we better yes, take we some to, stuff off. We have to pay our teeth. Woo! All right, all right, all right. One <laughs> article of clothing will be lost okay. during this break. We'll be right back. Woo! Hey, I want to tell you about something. Something that excites the shit out of me. And that is... Now, I don't know about you. Actually, Stephanie, I know about you. <laughs> don't answer this. Do you love Star Wars? Stephanie, don't answer. <laughs> well... Go ahead, tell them. That's the sound <laughs> of my lips being zipped. Well, I love Star Wars. <laughs> and so, and also, but how about this, Stephanie? Do you love liberty? Do you love personal freedom? Yes, absolutely. I sure do. Damn right you do. So do I. So if you love Star Wars and you love liberty, baby, I want you to check out the Resist the Empire podcast. This podcast is so fucking cool. You have no idea. In fact, I don't just want you to listen to the episodes. You're going to love the episodes. Okay, you're going to get the latest news. You're going to get the you know great breakdowns on everything that's going on. Uh, you're going to get the I love the, the when they break the, each episode. They do one character, one Star Wars character, and they do like the small uh, the smallest or the galaxy's smallest political quiz where they they you know what exactly is this character like? Is Darth Vader you know really just this tyrannical asshole? Blah blah blah. Uh, I mean it's it's really really something. Just a lot of fun uh, to listen to, and you know you you want to. Don't, but don't just listen to it. Follow, follow them on social media, you know, being on Facebook, wherever the memes that they do. I talk about this all the time. I am dying every time I see one. They are so funny. They are so spot on. It's amazing. The Star Wars universe is so huge. It's so cool to have that, that, you know, really that Liberty perspective on Star Wars itself and to hear from, you know, really, really knowledgeable cats, which the guys over at Resist the Empire podcast are. So go to the Resist the Empire podcast.com. That's the website. Get listening to this. There are quite a few episodes in. It's a great time. I I even get name dropped here and there. I, I I love it. So and I appreciate them sponsoring Sovereign Tech because they know they know my audience. I mean, hell, I I do whole episodes dedicated to Star Wars. I mean, come on, you know my audience, their audience. It's a match made in somewhere in the celestial heavens. So <laughs> anyway, resist the Empire Podcast.com. Woo, check it out. Story of the week. And we are back. Woo! Now I am breaking up this show in the segments that it's going to be, but I'm not. I'm not playing the the intros. Don't worry. That's a tease. I'm going to. I guarantee you, I'm going to pay. In fact, you know what, patrons? I'm going to release a little episode where you get to hear them before everybody else does oh, this week. If that's not an incentive to become a Patreon. I know. I don't know what is. Forget about the live, you know, hangouts, Q&A hangouts. People are going to want that. So if you want to listen to those, you'll be the first ones. And then I, I absolutely promise you that. In episode 228, you're going to get the hookup. Okay. So, because <laughs> these are so good. Uh, anyway, teases that we got to pay off. Stephanie, we got to start taking it off. Uh, <laughs> do you want to do the honors first? Woo. Here it is. Man, you have I, to narrate what I'm doing. Okay. I won't be All right. Able to be her hands are down her pants. Woo. Ooh. Oh, my. Oh, she's shaking her ass. I, <laughs> oh, camera. Can't, oh, my God. What are you not wearing underwear? <laughs> holy shit all right i won't narrate that part on the radio <laughs> wow i uh, hey, hey wow <laughs> howard stern eat your heart out <laughs> yeah I, she is smacking that ass all right, all right. <laughs> okay all right now it's getting ridiculous take it off take it off Woo, woo. <laughs> holy woo. shit no underwear all right. Well, I, I, I'm I'm just there's a naked bottom in this in this room. 
So, okay. All right. Now it's my turn. I got to, I got to, I got to take off something here. All right. Here. I'm going to be narrating this one. Okay. All right. I got to take the headset off because I actually. Can I, you beat that? I played the butt bong. I, 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 I was going to do, you know, some music or something. I mean, I can't do it. No, but, it needs no music. So I have a drinking problem and I have seltzer all over me. So I'm just going to take my shirt off. Okay. Uh, that, that'll be my first article. I can't wait to take so, the shirt off. Taking off I'm the not. headset here. Okay. All right. He's Ooh. taking off his headphones. All right. He's standing uh, up. Okay. He's, uh, whoa, he's already lost the pants. <laughs> got some underwear on. I wasn't on. wearing pants today anyway. <laughs> he's taking his me. arm out of the shirt. Ooh. He's revealing his Yubi uh. key, which he keeps around his neck. Oh, whoa, hey, how hey, sexy hey, is right. ladies? How sexy is that? <laughs> he's okay. got his Yubi key well, on. He's flexing oh. his muscles. Oh. He's in his uh. he's in his underwear with a All very right. nice package. I, wow. Okay. <laughs> I think I have, I, okay, I have, I've. I really okay unless I'm taking off my watch or my glasses. Um, like I only have one article of clothing left. You have three actually. You have your glasses, your YubiKey, and your underwear. Oh man, the YubiKey doesn't. I, come on off. the other hand, I have my ponytail holder <laughs> and my shirt. Your ponytail holder. Oh, it's a this is bullshit. All right. Well, the shirt's coming off before the ponytail holder. Okay, Let's put it that way. <laughs> All right. Woo. Well, let's get into. Um, uh, our story of the week All now, right. and this is this is going to be going forward like a separate segment. So you know that way I can get in more intros and a lot more story, and woo, of course more fun because that's what it's really all about. But this is going to be kind of a, a really a <sighs> this is going to be interesting. Okay, I, I was debating on on where to put all these stories, but I think I'm going to save the actual Facebook stories, which would have been a nice play off of what we were just talking about with Zuck. Um, I'm going to save that for Hacksack. So now we're going to talk about, I mean, while we're sexy and things up here, let's talk about threesomes. Woo! <laughs> oh, <laughs> cool. Well, sort of threesomes, uh, even though I'm sure threesomes are going on uh, with this. But this is an interesting story. This is kind of a, you know, admittedly, this might be a little bit of a stretch to put into Sovereign Tech, but I think it's important. There's actually a huge science angle here uh, that we'll get into. But, you know, this is definitely getting into society, okay, and in the future. But things that I've talked about for years. Um, and I'm just I'll, here. I'll, I'll read the kind of the headline here from the New York Post uh, Two bisexual women and their husband. Let's be clear. This is from May 18th, 2017. This is fresh Two bisexual women and their husband, their husband love parenting as threesome. Woo. OK, so let's read a little bit here. Uh, do you have any issues with that title by chance, Stephanie? Um, Two bisexual women and their husband. No, nothing. I'm thinking about it. I don't know. Sometimes it takes a little while for it to hit me. But I saw another version of that headline uh-huh. called Man Becomes a Dad with Two Women at the Same Time or something like that. Oh, making it all about and the I, daddy. Yeah. And I was like, OK, why make him the central point of focus? Right. Why isn't it two women become like have kids with a man or something like that? <laughs> right. Yeah. Well, so. Let's read a little bit of the story here. Uh, A man and two women who live as a threesome have announced they are expecting a baby and insist that, quote, three parents are better than two, end quote. Now, Stallion breaking in. That's the point that I have made in the past. Okay, Um, and or not not necessarily those numbers, but that more parents 
can only be or not can only but may likely be more helpful i think yeah i would agree with that i would put it a little bit differently i would say all things being equal if there's stability in in this in the family situation and the adults love the child and have their best interests in heart um more parents is better yeah i mean right But, but you have to have those preconditions of stability and love Sure. Right. I mean, you know, two parents can be I mean, if like if it's three parents and they're all, you know, emotionally uh, uh, stunted or something like that. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, that's a bad situation. But equally, if it's two parents that are emotional, and I mean, how many are, you know? <laughs> I mean, the, yeah. I mean, I think if, if you had two good loving parents and then, um, you know, a grandparent or two grandparents, for example, mm-hmm. also lived in the same household and helped take care of the kid then it would just be more love for the kid right exactly well let's talk about that more after a lot of people wouldn't of disapprove of that situation right yeah if there's a grandmother living in the house sure yeah. i mean i grew up at a point where a grandmother was around very much if not i mean eventually it turned out to where she was living in the house and she was like the best adult influence in my opinion in in for me growing up mm-hmm. i mean and not just for me for most of my siblings we all agreed she was the best uh i mean you know you, well, that, I mean, I don't want to get into too much personal stuff, but I mean, you know, my I remember my oldest brother, uh, Wally, saying, you know, you want to know what love is? It's like that woman right there. That was love. Uh, that's how serious, you know, I mean, so, yeah, we were thankful that there was another adult influence. Um, you you know, had in, a in lot the house. of siblings, too. You're one of five. One so, of five. Yeah. I mean, it's it's hard enough just having one child. I can't even imagine five with only two parents. Oh, yeah. Can you imagine that? I mean, wow. Yeah, yeah. But, uh, but I mean, we all we wanted to do was spend time with our grandmother. So, anyway, <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, but let's, anyway, let's, uh, let's read on here with the story. Yeah, I would just say, like, uh, the reason I brought that up was because sure. if you're, if you hear this headline or if you start to hear this story and you're having trouble with it, just imagine how it would be different if one of those pe- women was a grandmother instead of a, a lover. Sure. Right. Or or an aunt or uncle, you know, that happened to be staying you yeah. know, nearby. And I mean, there's I, I can or think... a friend or roommate who wasn't romantically involved with the couple, but they but they love the child and it's like their best friend or something. Right. And I think usually people wouldn't take issue with it. I yeah. mean, and that's a point I want to get I want to get into here. Um, but anyway, let's read on with the story. Adam Leon Lyons or Leon's. It's L-Y-O-N-S, Lions. I'll say Lions. Say Lions, yeah. Adam Lyons was dubbed, quote, the luckiest man alive, end quote, because he shares his life with two girlfriends, Brooke Shedd and Jan Shalakova. Yeah, I, I hope I'm pronouncing that right. Anyway, uh, Lyons is already the father of Shedd's son, Dante, who's now two. Uh, but now the London-born dad is expecting a baby boy with Shalakova. Uh, the threesome, who share a super king-size bed, believe the new baby, who is due in July, that of 2017, will benefit from their setup. Lyons, 36, from East London, said, quote, It's so sweet that we all get to parent and raise the kids together, end quote. Quote, We have talked about it at length, and we all consider ourselves parents to the children. With the kids, our titles are officially dad, mom, and mom, end quote. For us, or sorry, quote, for us, three definitely works better than two, end quote. In fact, reading on, uh, the threesome believes that their unusual arrangement could be the future of relationships and parenting. Ooh. Lyons, who runs his own business consulting company, Psychology Hacker, is also stepdad to Shed's son, Oliver, seven, from a previous relationship. He said, quote, oh, no, he married a, a single mother. 
Mm. Uh, sorry, excuse me. <laughs> I don't me. think he cares. No, I, yeah, well, I wouldn't either. She's uh, not single anymore, right? <laughs> damn right. <laughs> so uh, reading on, quote, so many of our friends are in, quote unquote, normal two-person couple relationships with kids, jobs, and all the other typical responsibilities, and I see them struggling to juggle their lives. It's difficult with two people, end quote. Uh, quote, continuing, but with three parents, we always have the ability for one person to look after the kids, and as a result, we never begrudge each other anything because we all have lots of time. Mm. With three people, it's logistically so much easier to handle all those things. We share out the responsibilities and it fits our sexual preferences too. When Brooke, Jane, and I, this is Lion still talking, uh, first came out about our, came out about our relationship, we had some criticism and certain people said we wouldn't last, but we've been going for five years now. Well, we ha five years. What we have is not a fling or a phase. We're a real healthy or a real family with healthy, happy kids. Our son Oliver doesn't even recognize what is unusual about our family. This should be, this is again, lions continuing. In fact, there's a great picture here of him and, and all of them as the Incredibles. That's that, that superhero family movie from Pixar, right? Uh, anyway, uh, quote, this should be the future of relation relationships where people are able to enjoy love in any way they feel works. Oh, man. Who, Stallion breaking in. Who the fuck would argue with that? Come on. Oh, plenty of people would argue <laughs> well, with sadly, it. Well, sadly, I think you're right. Um, <laughs> but, uh, let, well, let me, let me, or do you have something to say on that? Yeah, no, continue. I'll okay, say, I'll finish I'll up his, his last bit. Uh, three people and three parents make so much sense to us, end quote. Mom-to-be uh, Shalakova, who's 27, says she's never wanted children until she realized how much easier it was with three parents. Woo. Shalakova, who wow. also works with Lions. Yeah. Yeah, uh, Shalakova, who also works at Lions and his business consulting company, explained, quote, when I had boyfriends before, I never wanted or cared about kids. Kids Growing up, I always thought that when you had a baby, you became a slave to your child. You see a lot of parents struggling. Accurate. Sure. I feel that way. <laughs> I've got a lot to say on this, too. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I know you do. Uh, but raising Dante with Adam and Brooke and watching him grow up with three parents around, I realized we could do it as a family. With three parents around, it's so doable. With three parents, we can still have a social life, make time for one another, and share the parenting tasks so you don't end up like the typical sleep-deprived mom. With two parents, there's so much help, and I'll never have to leave my kids with someone I don't trust. Uh, end mm. quote. Bisexual Shed, that's the other mom, uh, 28, said, I'm so excited for Jane's pregnancy. Uh, I love talking to her bump. <laughs> I've always wanted four sons, so this is a dream come true, end quote. quote. So, I mean, she's she's accepting. No, no, these woman, th this woman's babies, you know, Shalakova's babies, th these will be my babies, too, mm -hmm. which is beautiful. Um, uh, so reading on, quote, I think our good parenting is one of the sexiest things about our relationship. How about, fuck. All right. So now st let me let me stop there for a second. So, Stephanie, you and I, you know, we don't want to have kids. Right. Okay. Of course, I've, you know, kind of made the, <laughs> the, the, I mean, I, all right, I have a vasectomy. So, like, I'm just not doing <laughs> You've it. You've made it official. Yeah. You've uh, voted with your vas. Yeah, exactly. So, <laughs> um, but I like to think, I mean, now I've been a parent in the past, not, not to a biological child, but into, you know, one that I married into, kind of similar to what uh, Lions did with um, uh, Ched, the, the woman Ched there. Uh, but, you know, I, I'd like to think that as I was a one-time kid, I have some grasp, some understanding, and because I've done research in this, you know, in recent years, on what good parenting is. And 
you rarely hear people talk about parenting being really sexy, like really it being like, like a sexy thing, not sexy because it falls into some kind of, uh, like norm, you know, some societal norm or whatever, but just because like, this is so great. I love the fact that I'm still me, but yet I get to, you know, fulfill this, this desire that I have, you know, to bring more life into the world or something like that. And I go yeah, ahead. I think if I, I think it could mean that. And I also think it could mean that, well, I don't know about you, Brian, but like, even though I don't want to have kids, when I see somebody who truly respects and honors children mm-hmm. as people, the way I wish I was always treated when I was a kid, and I was sometimes, but not all the time. Sure. Um, And I was lucky for the times that I was. But, you know, when I see someone who really gets it and who really treats children as people and human beings and really respects their personhood and just has their best interests at heart in every way, um, I admire that person. I yeah. think that's an incredibly admirable quality in another human being. And then that admiration for that other adult who's being so um, empathetic and so compassionate towards that little person is is a turn on. It draws you to them. Sure. It draws you to that person who respects children so much. Because if they respect children, you know, you can tell a lot about a person by the way they treat the most vulnerable people in society. Sure. You know? Absolutely. And it's, yeah, it's, I would say it's definitely, a, it's, it's magnetic when somebody, when you see someone care for other human beings like that, even little ones like children. Yeah, I mean, I remember even Captain Picard, you know, a fictional character, of course, certainly. But I, I love the the statement he makes. There's a, an episode in the sixth season where he says, you know, judge us by how we treat our children. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, because he's dealing with this alien who thinks that all these adults are evil and everything. And uh, and it, it's a great point. Yeah, let's let's judge how we, you know, let's judge people by how they treat their children. Unfortunately, today, a lot of people treat their children like shit. Okay. <laughs> I mean, like, you yeah. know, it's not a funny matter. It's yeah, terrible. Um, so anyway, I want to, we'll circle back to that point here. I'm going to read on a bit more. Um, it's incredible. This is Sh- uh, Shed still talking here. It's incredible to see Adam and Jane with the kids and how we share all the responsibilities. We definitely want a few more kids and I would love to have a wedding to show my commitment to Adam and Jane. All right, whatever. Anyway, uh, reading Oliver says he would like to get married someday too. And he knows three people can really be, can be really happy together in a relationship. We're setting a good example. Oliver is it's a seven year old. Right mm-hmm. now. I mean, here's a key thing, you know, it's, stop on that for a second like imagine that your kid is seeing this beautiful relationship and like i want this too Mm. you know as to where like i think the one of the reasons because i've i've known that i didn't want a kid for a long time probably part of the reason you know consciously or unconsciously was that like i saw just how you know miserable my parents were Mm. why would you want to copy what they did right why would you want to get married why would you want you know why would you want to have kids if if all it is is like everybody yelling at each other and all this different shit right Mm. you know if that's if that's what you see i mean so there's obviously some good patterns going on here at least based upon the the words that these these people are saying um do you have anything you want to say on that or I'll, i'll read on a bit yeah i mean i just i think there's a lot of people out there who think well, well, you know, polyamory and multiple person relationships and non-heterosexual relationships and all these things that deviate from the heteronormative monogamous standards, 
that that's all fine and good when you're like in your 20s and you're experimenting. But once you actually grow up and once there's kids in the picture, it's a different story because you can't, you know, exposing children to that stuff is damaging. It's like, obviously, you know, um, that stuff is just for perverse pleasure. And you don't want to be like damaging your kids psyches by showing them that people have sex for fun, or that people can have relationships with more than with, you know, any gender, not just the opposite sex. And uh, people can have relationships with more than one person at the same time, blah, blah, blah. I've even known there was somebody it was a let's just say I had a personal experience. Mm-hmm. Somebody I knew um, was interested in a polyamorous relationship um, that was not heterosexual. OK. And but she didn't go forward with it because she said, well, what am I going to tell my kids? I can imagine coming out to my kids about this. Yeah. And she had she had three kids. Yeah. And I just think that's uh, it's too bad because what does it communicate to kids when you have the relationships that you want that make you happy? It communicates that you should be in relationships that make you happy. Right. Even if society says that's not the right way, thing to do or or whatever, you know, it communicates to kids that it's possible to have love in different ways than just the, you know, Disney prince and princess. You know, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it communicates to kids that love can take different forms. And I think that's just a fine message. And obviously, Oliver is hearing that, too. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so reading on a bit here. Uh, Lyons, uh, Shalakova, and Shed all live together on a large plot of land in Austin, Texas, with two separate houses, one of which they use as an office and one of which the, uh, which Shed uses as a homeschool where she plans to teach all the trio's children. Mm. Um, Shalakova, also bisexual, because Shed is as well, uh, says, quote, we love living and working together. The family house is a one minute walk from our office. Uh, Lyons and I can uh, have meetings in the office and head back home for lunch with Shed and the kids. Uh, It allows us to spend more time together. I love coming home and getting a kiss from Shed, Dante and Oliver. My pregnancy was a planned one. We were trying for a baby. It just felt like the right time and parenting together as a threesome is a lot of fun. Mm. Uh, But Brooke has the primary mothering role. She looks after the children and will homeschool all the kids. Um, Shed, or end quote, Shed, who works part time for Lions Company, said, quote, Adam and I always knew I wanted to homeschool our kids. We both excelled at school because we found it too easy. Woo. Uh, we wanted to give our children. So these aren't dumb people. I mean, not that school is a sign of like intelligence necessarily, but yeah. uh, school sucks. So <laughs> but uh, uh, we wanted to give our children a chance to really succeed and get lots of attention. Um, Oliver can read, write, and understand things beyond a normal school ac- academic curriculum. So they appreciate the fact that no homeschooling is like, this is a good direction to go. This is how we want to, uh, you know, teach kids. Now this raises an inch, you know, I want to stop there because this raises an interesting point and, and, you know, it's something that, um, where a lot of people will make the critique that, well, we know that if, you know, if both the, you know, if, like, okay. So the critique that gets made is that, and this actually speaks to feminism, which is, or anti-feminism in a way, which or not in a way it is, which is that women can't be mothers and high-powered business people at the same time. Mm, okay, that's the that's the wars. right. That's the criticism you that pick comes one: up. be a mom or be a career woman, but you can't be both and do it well. Right now, to a degree, I can agree that, like, yes, I I think absolutely one. You know, some it's good for a kid to have lots of love. I'm not saying that a woman can't be both. I'm saying it's good for, for a kid to get a ton of attention. Okay. Um, now I've thought about this a lot and my answer has always been that, well, add people on to the family. 
You know, like there's no reason for that. It just has to be two parents. And I don't believe in any kind of like special woo woo connection, you know, that, that, that a kid has to, I mean, there's the connection of time and experience with them, but then bring in more people before you start having children or something like that. Uh, but I mean, this well, solves people that. Do that with nannies, au pairs, whatever. Right. Yeah, they exactly. Do, do that anyway. I had a nanny growing up. She was fantastic. I mean, she was, she was wonderful, you know, I mean, yeah. Or, and you had your grandma. And I had my grandmother, you know, it, I mean, so yeah. I agree that sort of thing needs to happen, but the answer doesn't mean that your wife or whatever can't go out and, and, you know, do a high power business shop or something like that, or can't work full time. Mm-hmm. Just bring more people into this thing, you know? Um, so, all right. Anyway, let, let's, let's read a little bit more here. It's interesting that you said, well, a couple of interesting things about the, their lifestyle sure. and where they live and how they live. They live in Austin, which is known to be kind of a weird place, you know, yeah, very unique. keep Austin weird, that kind of thing. Exactly. Um, and they live on a large plot of land and they have these different buildings and they have a workplace that's close and they kind of work together as well. Yes. Some of them kind of work together. Um, I have seen that in other poly uh, family arrangements mm-hmm. where they kind of like, you know, they make it work by closening up their living situation and working situation so that they can all spend more time together. Right. And yeah, yeah, I just thought that was interesting. Yeah. So, I mean, did you have any, another point on that? It's almost like, yeah, I did. I don't know if this is going to be opening up a can of worms, but I'm going to say it anyway. Um, (laughs) So people, a lot of times people compare families to economies, you know, (sighs) Yeah. They they will say, I, and some people compare everything to economies, but yeah, anyway. drives me nuts. To economics, and they try to economize things that aren't about economics. But Not anyway, everything is a market transaction, pe- folks. People compare families to economies, and people say, a lot of people say that families are like communism on a small scale. Yep. Right? Because everything's shared, you know, it's yes. like everybody's sort of banding together for the greater good and supporting the people who can't support themselves, which is children. Um, or maybe a partner who's financially dependent on the other one. And there's sometimes division of labor, right? Like one spouse works, the other one stays home and takes care of the kids. Mm-hmm. Um, but when you have more people, like you can add on these these completely new benefits. It's almost like if you're doing division of labor, um, like they said that one, they said that one, one of the women had like this building where they were going to homeschool all the kids. Yes. And right. That, they have two houses. Yeah. Yeah. And that that was going to be basically used for that. So what a big benefit that she brings to the relationship. And she's taking on that whole sector of like the things that the family needs to do. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's fantastic. I, I absolutely. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I don't I don't know that there's anything, you know, well, I don't think there's anything crazy about it. I mean, I'm sure there's probably lots of people, maybe even people listening to this, that are like up in arms saying, what the hell is this? How can you do this? Blah, blah, blah. Uh, I mean, one of the first things I think, one of the first critiques that's going to come out is going to be about polygamy. Um, But folks, this is not polygamy. This is like not really. No, it's not polygamy. And why is it not polygamy? Bisexuality. Because the women can be with each other. Yeah, they love each other. Yeah. Polygamy is one man, the women are all monogamous to him. Right. He is obviously not monogamous to them. Right. It's an unequal thing. The man is at the top of the pyramid of power, the women at the bottom, at the base. Um, in this situation, it's just a triangle. It's a flat structure. It's not no hierarchy. Exactly. You know, they can um, they can all love each other, and that's just fine. Yeah. I mean, and that's, in my opinion, that's so key. You know, I mean, I'm not saying really people can't have, like, in polyamory, I'm not saying people can't have separate relationships. Uh, I mean, they certainly can. You know, I think it's fun when everybody kind of has one, but it's, you know, however that shapes up, that shapes up. But I just wanted to make it clear, you know, save all your arguments. But what about polygamy? This isn't it. 
it's like it, it, it's just not it because like you said this is equal all the way around yeah you people know? argue against polygamy because it's religiously based based out of fear and shame and and uh brainwashing people would say right. from religion and also it's unequal power it oppresses the women because they don't have the power to choose to be with more than one partner but the man does yeah i mean and it's not like there was this woman who they who i mean we don't know the whole story around you know lions and and, and shalakova and uh, uh what's it, shed uh you know how they all met up and got together and everything, but it's not like one of them is like, you know, cause he's 36. It's not like one of them is like an, another 36 year old. And then they brought in some 20 year old off the street or something like that. Right. No, Shad and Shelikova are only a year apart. They're both, you know, 27 and 28. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, and, and that's, I, I have no issue with that age spread, you know, of him being 36, he? 36, he's 36 and they're 27 and 28. Yeah. I think that's yeah, fine. That's pretty typical. Yeah. So, um, I mean, some, you know, a lot of women at that age, like guys in that age bracket anyway. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, that's a preference. Sure. So, you know, rock and roll. They, I, I think that's fine and dandy. Um, so anyway, I'm going to read on uh, uh, some more here. So I think this, is, you know, maybe I'll get some complaints. I think this is damn fascinating, like that this is actually something happening. I think it's happening a whole lot more than people realize. Like, I think there's a lot of these relationships oh, and they're all secret. I think, yeah, the, the ones where it's actually a polyamorous relationship and there's co-parenting. Mm-hmm. A lot of people do keep it secret because they fear that there will be legal consequences, that somebody's going to try to take their kids away. Right. For example, a vengeful ex. Right. A vengeful ex-spouse or something like that. Right. Or even just some busybody neighbor who doesn't like what they're doing and yeah. doesn't want them to have more fun than they're having. Um, <laughs> and that's very real. I actually think it's very brave and ballsy of them to come out like this because this article is getting a lot of press. I wonder if anyone's going to try to take their kids away. I hope not. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, it kind of reminds me of Big Love, which that is yeah. the case of genuine polygamy. But it was sort of similar where they were in Utah. They would Utah. constantly try to take the kids away and they'd be clo- the families would be closeted because they would um, face all this persecution. Right. And they had from child protective services. And Texas is notorious for being a bad place for child protective services, getting Invo- unnecessarily involved in families and then there's always the the argument that when they take people's when the state takes people's kids away and places them in foster homes or whatever mm-hmm. um often that that significantly worsens the child's life they can get abused neglected in foster homes you know and the risk of that is incredibly high and so it's like what actual good are they doing by taking the people's kids away from their parents They're making everything worse yeah, I mean, you know, and and also like in some I, cases, right? In, in some right. cases, maybe there is justification. There's no easy answer, but in a lot of cases, kids that are put in foster care are not better off than being with their parents, even with even even if the parents are doing something unconventional or outside of the mainstream, like unschooling. Yeah, yeah. I mean, obviously, if there's beatings going on and shit like that, I mean, it's a very different story. Um, yeah, but I mean, also, you know, kind of remind me of Big Love is that you know, like in that in that show, yes, it's fiction. There's three, you know, like they had the three houses and this, they have two. I mean, it was kind of similar, but I don't know if they took any ideas from that or whatever, you know, to, to kind of make this work. Um, oh, I, w- but... I was going to say, like, yes, a lot of people who live these lives are closeted because uh-huh. they're afraid of the legal repercussions, especially with their kids. Yeah. But um, I think this is actually incredibly common. It's just that most of the time it's not polyamorous arrangements. Step families. How many people are divorced who have kids mm-hmm. and then they have a new partner? Maybe mm-hmm. they even marry someone new. Mm-hmm. And then suddenly the kid has their original parents who are no longer together, mm-hmm. plus maybe two two more step parents. Mm-hmm. And sometimes the step parents become just as involved in the kids' lives as their as their quote real parents. Right. And so 
those kinds of families, step families, blended families, are incredibly common nowadays. Uh, to the point where 50% of marriages end in divorce. Well, how many of those people have kids? Sure. Right? The, those types of families are, are incredibly common and becoming more so. So there are lots of kids that have more than two people that they call parents. And maybe the relationship of their parents is not very harmonious, like it is with these three individuals. But uh, they do, regardless of, of that fact, have more than two parents. Sure. I mean, that I think that gets into a different area because, like, that's not optimal. No, but you know, I'm saying, wouldn't it be better if it was harmonious? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah <laughs> right. Absolutely. I agree it's, with you. It's not the fact, the thing that's not optimal is that their parents are fighting or that there's disharmony among the adults that take care of them. Right. The thing that's not optimal is not that there's more than two parents. Right, right. Okay, gotcha. Yeah. So, um, all right, I, there's just a little bit more to read, and I want to cover that, and then I want to dig even deeper uh, into all this. Um, Chad said, quote, Jane and Adam uh, still really want a daughter, so we've agreed that they should definitely try for another baby. Uh, but I would definitely love to get married to Adam and Jane. It's something we've always wanted, even though it's not legal. Even so, it's important that the three of us can make a commitment to each other with our family and friends around. Um, Lyon said, quote, we hit, this is the, the father, or, you know, the dad, or yeah, dad, uh, we haven't got any solid plans for a wedding just yet, but it's on the cards. Prior to that, I'm bringing Shed, Jane and the kids to England before uh, she gives birth. I want to celebrate our pregnancy with my loved ones in Britain, uh, end quote. Uh, Lions, Shed and Shalakova admit they they still like to involve a fourth partner in their sex life. Woo. Woo. Plot thickens. Uh, Lion said, quote, we are still open in our relationship and we do sleep with other people outside the three of us. But to be honest, we don't have much time anymore. Uh, we're exhausted and happy with the children. We're still open to fun when it comes along. If we wanted to add someone, I'm sure we could, end quote. Shalakova added, quote, absolutely, we still make time to go to strip clubs together. <laughs> <laughs> cool. <laughs> Ooh, all right. Uh, we just hang out and have fun there. <laughs> With three people around, it's easy to schedule in fun activities. We always make sure we have time to do fun things together and have weekly date nights. Adam, Brooke, and I still sleep in the same super king size bed together. It still gets very hot and sweaty with the three of us. <laughs> end quote. And that Aww. is the end of the story. Wow. Cool. <laughs> That's very cool. You know, I'm not having kids. If I ever did, that's a fine setup, you know, and I, I'm, I'm not saying that just because, oh, it's a guy and two women. I'm, not, I'm just saying, and this is the thing that I want to get into. And this is something I, you know, I remember I first talked about this probably four years ago on Sovereign Tech, and I was scared to death to talk about it because, you know, at the time, it's not so true now, but, you know, in the past, like a lot of my audience was, you know, libertarians would identify as libertarians or anarcho-capitalists or something like this, which often lends itself to conservatism. And, you know, there was a point where I was a little concerned. I'm like, oh, shit, you know, if I start talking about anything that breaks, you know, a lot of uh, social mores, I am going to lose my audience. They're just going to walk away. You know, uh, now my audience is so broad. I mean, it's going to say you seem to have lost that fear. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I not... decided fuck it at yeah, some point. Yeah, exactly. Eventually I was like, no, nah, you know what? I'm, I'm going to push I'm going to push it out there, you know, and, and I don't care. And I finally talked about it. But last time I talked about it, it was with a million caveats, just kind of always saying, look, folks and and i still believe this but you know look it's okay if you're just want a two-parent household that's fine you know you do what you want to do like I'm, I'm not telling you what to do i'm not blah 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 but i the point i was bringing up is that hey has anybody ever thought maybe it'd be cool 
for, you know, to have like a whole bunch of people as parents of a child, like that way you don't lose the individuality because myself, you know, I did, I was involved, heavily involved in raising three kids from a very young age, all the way up into what, you know, by some conceptions is adulthood, you know? And, uh, I mean, cause I was married for seven years, you know, and even then, and we had like the grandparents involved, you know, and everything. And even then it was still like, I know, like I didn't have my individuality. I didn't have my autonomy, you know, and, and my ex certainly didn't. And then, you know, even then I was thinking, I was like, boy, it would just be amazing. Like if we just had more people, you know, that, I mean, and, and how could it be bad? Because it would just, it would be more, if, as long as they were, you know, if as long as they had it going on upstairs, it would be more love to spread. Right. Yeah. I think so much of it is about your attitude about becoming a parent. Like if you have this narrow mindset of like, okay, if I become a parent, there's only one way to do it. And that is that there has to be only me and my wife or husband. And we have to take on all this responsibility for all the kids and we have to do everything and be everything for them. And maybe there's like gender roles thrown in there. Like if I'm the man, I have to be the provider and I have to make all this money and give it to my kids and my family. And if I'm the woman, then I have to like spend all my time at home with the kids barefoot in the kitchen and do all of cooking and everything and the laundry and and, like never ask for thank yous or appreciate. I mean, that puts you in a mental prison. You know, if you don't feel like that naturally jives with what you want to do, some people are perfectly happy in those roles. And I don't mean to disparage them at all. Sure. But not everybody is. But if you but if that's your conception of what being a parent is like and has to be like, then if that doesn't fit with who who you are, you can't become a parent and be happy. Yeah. I mean, because absolutely. I totally agree. Look, When you become a parent, when you make that, hopefully you're making the choice. A lot of people aren't. Mm -hmm. Okay. But when you become a parent, you know, yeah, you, you become a steward of this child. Okay. Or of, of the child and you've got to give it a lot of attention, you know, and if you are only one of two or how, what, you know, however that shapes up, maybe it's less. Um, I mean, yeah, you've got a lot to give up and you've got to be super careful. I mean, it's one of the reasons I don't want to have kids is because I am terrified of, you know, potentially doing anything, you know, that, 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 that damages, uh, you know, the, 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 the growth, shall we say, you know, of the, of the child. I mean, I'm absolutely terrified of that. Um, so again, you know, the, really the solution to me ha- has, has always been, okay, well then, you know, have the village raise the fucking child. You know, I mean, like, isn't, isn't arguably, isn't that what, not arguably, I, I think it's anthropological fact that. Uh, yeah, I know. was going to say exactly what where I think you're going, mm-hmm. which was the very first line of the article or the byline or the, the subheader was something like, this could be the future of relationships. Well, I think it's the past. Of yeah, relationships. it's actually right. It's actually, it's actually the, past. the distant past. Yes. And it's also the present to some extent because there's so many step families and blended families and that kind of thing. Right. I mean, or even today in, I mean, in Europe and other, you know, in other continents, other countries, extended families are incredibly commonplace that they all live in the same house and they all, you know, take on, I mean, kind of these time duties like they're like was or not duties, but, uh, you know. Whatever. Yeah. Take, I'll just say their responsibilities. Well, yeah. These different responsibilities. That's, that's the word I was looking for. Mm-hmm. Um, so, but yeah, exactly. I mean, like that's, that's how it was done. You know, there wasn't like separation by age group. There wasn't separation by mother or dad. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, like how could they even, you know, how could, you know, hunter, like hunter gather groups, ancient hunter gatherer groups, or even modern ones, like how exactly, I mean, maybe, you know, who the mother is, but oftentimes, I mean, this is getting into a lot of some degree of speculation. 
like to where, like, why does a woman moan right during, during, or why does anybody moan during sex? you know, because it's pleasurable or something. Um, why does it sound so similar to pain? Why biologically does it, does it, you know, are the similar reactions of like why you're expressing, uh, you know, loud noises when you're in pain or when you're in, you know, extreme amounts of pleasure, they're both cries for help. Yep. More come over here, come over here, you know? And, and so like, I mean, and this is, you can find this in modern hunter gatherer belief systems. I'm not saying that they're right. Of course, obviously they're, they're not, but like the idea that, um, like women used to, th- I mean, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, Stephanie. I mean, women used to think, well, you know, the more seed that I got from all the men here, like maybe this child would be more powerful. Right. They didn't know that it was like one sperm and that meets the egg and becomes the new person. Right. So they thought the more sperm you had, that could have the qualities of the best qualities of all those different men. Sure. Some people thought that in the past. Yeah. Not all hunter gatherer groups, but I but mean, there were some. And, you know, it's, it's very interesting. And it's still to a practice today. How that some. affected their sexual behavior. Right. You know, so. And and also how that affected parenting, right? Like if all the men didn't know who the fathers were, like any of those kids could be your son or your daughter. Yeah. So you treat them as you would your own kid. You love them just as though they are your own. Right. Now, I think a lot of people would make the claim, well, yeah, but we're not hunter-gatherers anymore. Like we've evolved beyond that or, or something along these lines. Now, the irony there is that in the same breath, they'll start saying, oh, but we have, you know, reproductive strategies or something like this that goes back to our, you know, evolutionary uh, <laughs> Right. Uh, they'll talk about alpha males and, you know, the yeah. woman wants the sperm from the alpha male. Right. And all that's okay. provider. <laughs> yeah, exactly. All that's okay. But but when you start talking about extended families and, like, the entire tribe raising a child and all this stuff, yeah, oh, that, no, no, we're beyond like, that. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> they conveniently, like, ignore that part of history. Yeah, exactly. Um, so... Yeah, I don't think there's anything in any way unnatural about this. Not that natural makes something okay. Mm-hmm. Um, but, oh, man, yeah, I mean, just you read it. Like, I just, I think it, just for me, it makes so much sense. You know, and, and yeah. I don't, and, and all right, so you're, you're a biochemist. Mm-hmm. I mean, is there really something, and if you don't know, that's okay. Like, is there really something that somehow, like, there's some kind of special attachment some kind of biological chemical attachment that a child has to its biological father or something like that? I mean, they say with the mother, you know, during the birth process, Uh there's a lot of oxytocin that gets released. Okay. And there's oxytocin every time the baby nurses. But not all women nurse their babies. Right. Especially today. Yeah, exactly. Not every woman breastfeeds. Not every woman is able to produce milk or whatever. So... So there's that. I mean, they used to have wet nurses, right, in, in mm-hmm. medieval times and before, where an, another woman who was lactating would nurse the child if the actual mother couldn't because right. she didn't produce breast milk or whatever. And then, you know, the, maybe the child would bond with the wet nurse, right? They'd have a special bond. So, I, I mean, I think there's all kinds of ways that children bond with adults and their parents. Mm-hmm. And, you know, some of those are playing together and some of those are just spending time together. Some of those are physical touch, like nursing or whatever, or sleeping together in the same room or the same bed. Right. Um, or, you know, falling asleep on the parent's lap or whatever while they're holding them as a baby. But, you know, it's not limited to biological. I don't think there's a requirement to be biologically related for an adult and a child to to form a bond. That's yeah. OK, that's somehow like just magically. Well, just because you share the same DNA uh, that that makes for better results. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, I, I agree. I, what about adopted children? Well, right. They don't share the same DNA with their parents, but their parents love them. 
Oh, and often anyway, those they love their parents. Sure, sure. Um, yeah, I, I don't, I don't, I don't buy it. <laughs> you know, if somebody's making that argument, I just don't buy it. Uh, so yeah, this seems to be, in my opinion, this is the direction, you know, cause a lot of people talk about all oh, the family structures being destroyed and all this stuff and everybody's becoming single parents or, you know, whatever, whatever the case may be, you know, that's, that's getting brought up. Um, you know, I get the evidence that people bring out against saying like, this is what happens when a child doesn't have two parents, but most of those studies never address. Yeah. But what happens if we add in three or four? You know, because it's usually not done except for in this case. And I think that might be like, I mean, e either even better um, or that's the real solution to, OK, how do we make enough money to live in the modern world? Um, you know, because both of us have to work, but then still be the proper steward to this child, mm -hmm. you know, that we want to bring into the world. And, and again, I think that this is this is the solution, you know, or one of the solutions anyway. Um, I mean, yeah, if, if one person's making enough money that the other person can stay at home, great. And this is not a knock on two parent families or one parent families or anything. I'm not here to insult you. Okay. I'm just saying that I like the point that Lyons is bringing up here saying, Hey, this might be the future, you know, like this, this might be how things go. But your point, Stephanie, I think it's totally salient that no, really it's the past and maybe we're just getting back to it. You know, or we're just getting back to what what already was an optimal way for a child to, uh, uh, you know, grow up, mm -hmm. uh, which I, I think is really exciting. Now, I think it's interesting. I want to bring this point up quick. I think it's interesting that they're going to Britain because Britain is a rare place where, in fact, here's a story. This is from uh, just a couple months ago in March. Uh, th this is from uh, CNN here. Three parent babies. UK clinic gets okay for groundbreaking technique. Um, and what this is, is, you know, not necessarily that, that it's a threesome, like a, a threesome parenting, mm -hmm. uh, like was with the case with, uh, you know, lions and, and whatever. Uh, this is a mitochondrial affair. Okay. <laughs> so, so yeah, this is when, mitochondrial donation. Go ahead. Yeah, this is when there's three people that actually contribute genetic material to the fetus. Yeah. Generally one male to, to, Females. Yes. Right. Because, um, so like ordinarily, you need an egg and a sperm for reproduction. Egg comes from the woman, sperm comes from the man, obviously. <laughs> <laughs> this is like the birds and the bees. Go yeah. back to biology class here. Um, <laughs> cover your ears if you have children, you don't want to know about this stuff or whatever, <laughs> but you probably turned it off long ago if you do. Yeah. Um, <laughs> anyway, you probably turned it off when I was playing the butt bongos right about then. <laughs> And Brian was stripping down to his Yubi key. Um, anyway, I like that. That's hot. Stripping down to the Yubi key. Yeah, All right. I know. It is hot. <laughs> Keep going. So anyway, um, the, the woman contributes an egg and the man contributes sperm. Um, usually what happens is there the, the fetus needs mitochondria. Every cell needs mitochondria. They're like the power mm. plant of the cell. They generate energy for all the cellular processes. And, well, the only place that a fetus can really get their mitochondria is the ones that were originally in the egg that, right. that reproduce and copy themselves to become the mitochondria for all the cells in their body. But what if the mitochondria in that egg are defective? What if there's something wrong with them? Well, the individual who's born from that can end up with genetic diseases like um, there's one called like MRF. Like there's there's basically they cause seizures, muscle weakness, eye problems. Mitochondrial diseases are, are bad. Sure. Um, especially in tissues that need that use a lot of energy, like the heart and the brain and neural tissue and skeletal muscles. Right. So what what they did to get around that is there's an in vitro fertilization technique 
where you take kind of the shell of an egg with the with the DNA from the egg, then you take a sperm, and the cytoplasm of the egg contains the mitochondria. You can kind of suck those out and replace it with mitochondria from a third woman, okay, or from a third person. And it's easier to get them from another egg, I think. So that's why they do it from a third woman. Sure. Um, so then, basically, you end up with a fetus that has the DNA, the the chromosomal DNA from the mother and the father, the the egg and the sperm. But then the mitochondria and their DNA comes from a third person. So literally, there's three people that contributed genetic material to that baby. So are they all three the quote biological parents? Yeah. Right. Now, so in California, and I forget exactly, I think I might have brought this up, maybe it was on a Sex and Science Hour, or maybe it was on a Sovereign Tech at some point, but I know in California, they have now made it legal where you can recognize three parents. Usually it's because of, like, there's a, well, like a surrogate. A surrogate, or, yeah, yeah. Somebody else carries the baby to term. Mm -hmm. Right, which is even different from this, yep. from the mitochondrial donation. Mm -hmm. uh, but maybe, you know, the Lions family, I'll call it that. Uh, or, you know, whatever the, the shed family or the Shalikova family. I don't want to like play particulars with the guy. Um, maybe he's like, no, we're not going to California. That's just crazy. You know, and maybe he's going to Britain because in Britain suddenly, oh, well, you know, things are getting kind of nicer towards this notion of mm. three parents. You know, even though this is on a scientific, this idea, you know, the mitochondrial donation situation, you know, this is, you know, in vitro or whatever, um, is, is very different. Um, I mean, you know, it's not just like a choice. Mm -hmm. This is this is a you know biological situation. Uh, maybe he thinks that they have a better chance of perhaps getting married there and, and having, uh, you know, getting their legal situation on, on the up and up because he is have, from Britain. Are they going to have the baby there or? Yeah, they, they did say um, that the, the next baby health, they're going to have there. Maybe it's a health insurance thing. <laughs> Maybe. Maybe they want to use his health insurance. Yeah, yeah, I don't I don't know. Um but I I think that that's that that's an interesting aspect of it as, as well. Yeah. Um so yeah, I I I I'm inclined to agree. I think that this is very much the future of relationships. Um I think we have a and generation the past of relationships. Yeah, and the past. And the present. Yeah. Right. And and that's that's another huge again, that's another huge part. And I think you can actually do some duck duck go searching about this and you'll find that like in cities and other places there's like multiple apartments, whole floors that get rented out by people, not even people that have kids, but people that are, in a, you know, a, either a three or however many number polyamorous relationship. I, in fact, I know that happens. I know people that do that. Oh, yeah. uh, so, you know, th this is happening, folks, whether you want it. Now it's just getting out in the open. All right. I, I mean, and I, I think it's always kind of been this way. Uh, that's another thing, too. In fact, there's um, I've heard claims that you know, maybe the upper echelons of society, you know, the 1% or something like that, they, that they've been, I mean, some people make the claim and there's some degree of sociological research that they've always lived this way and you just don't know it, you know, and this whole like idea of the nuclear family and all this different just stuff to keep the plebs in line. Right. Yeah. I mean, the, the, this is, this, there's, there's papers about this, you know, that get written up, uh, you know, full studies on, on this notion that, that, that whole idea of the nuclear family is something that, that is, is, a, it's a cell. You know, it's not it's not like something that was really ever necessarily there. You just didn't know mm. that there was something else. Uh, but regardless, it's you know, it's happening on the ground floor now. <laughs> so uh, but again, there's no really there's no judgment towards how people listening to this show, how you are doing your family, uh, you know, whatsoever. I mean, please do you and always do you. That is the, if there's a number one message that Sovereign Tech ever wants to get out there is that I'm hoping technology empowers you to do you, be it 
being able to live at home with, you know, uh, you know, as a, as a threesome parenting situation or as a threesome without parenting mm -hmm. or whatever, I, I hope it empowers all of that, you know, and, and I, I think that's, that's really, uh, you know, amazing, um, that this is happening. Uh, I can only, I, there's no real negativity in this article. I can't believe they're getting away unscathed though. I can't believe there aren't people that are like, you know, I, I didn't even look at the comment section. I'm, I'm actually afraid to, uh, you know, on this story because I could picture just like the, you know, the, the attacks that oh they probably boy, get. Yeah. I, I, sadly, I don't think there's a lot of people giving them high fives. Hmm. So, but there are some, yeah, we're giving yeah. them a virtual high five. Damn right. So <laughs> any closing thoughts on this? Otherwise we could wrap it up. Um, no, I just, uh, I wish them all the best. Same here. I absolutely wish them the best. Um, I think this will be interesting. These are the kinds of things I think that are worth some study. That way we can look at the future and say, yeah, what happens if we add on more adults, you know, into a child's life? Could this just be a wonderful, beautiful thing? Um, and, and again, I just want to reiterate this where there is no argument being here being made for polygamy. I mean, I, you know, on a personal level, I even disagree with them wanting to get married. It's like, well, why? You don't, obviously you don't need to, you're doing a great job, you know, just being what you are. I mean, I, I guess there's the tax situation or something, but I don't I know. I guess to show commitment or to rec to have legal recognition that they're a family sure which yeah i don't know i find that kind of weak arguments but for marriage but yeah whatever. but that's just me speaking personally they can yeah. do what they want you yeah. know I, i'm just talking about my own personal preferences not that i think there's anything you know not going right or wrong on that stuff so anyway uh yeah the best to to that family i i think that that's exciting and certainly something i'm going to be uh, keeping an eye on and i'll uh, we'll be right back with more Woo! boy talk about something you want to get into some history things that have been around for a while let's talk about gold and silver Woo! that is the past but still also in my opinion a huge part of the future for very good reasons because uh you know you hear about this crack happening this ransomware this malware blah 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 guess what gold and silver when you're holding it in your hand when you've got it right in front of you doesn't affect it at all uncrackable uncrackable baby this is real uncrackable cold storage I mean, this is the real shit. So you want to get your hands on some. And how I want you to do that, I want you to go to Roberts and Roberts Brokerage, one of the best businesses in the world, straight up. These people do it right. Okay. And believe me, they, they do it so right. How's that Bitcoin price handling for you, baby? It's going through the roof. Well, diversify your wealth a bit to hold off when maybe you think there's going to be a correction or a bubble or whatever you have to think about it. They will take Roberts and Roberts brokerage accepts Bitcoin. They are Bitcoin preferred business and you can get your hand on gold and silver with, uh, with some Bitcoin. How can you beat that? So go to rrbi.co rrbi.co let them know the golden stallion sent you they're going to know exactly who you're talking about because they listen to the show they're the real deal okay and they've been a long time sponsor uh and i just love our sponsors because they don't care when i talk about all the shit like i just did <laughs> Woo! So, so jump on board with it roberts and roberts brokerage get your hands on some gold and silver diversify your wealth get you get that real cold storage get that offline action going for you baby and that's the way to do it with precious metals rrbi.co and we thank them for supporting sovereign tech game talk Woo! We're gonna get into some game talk, but we've been playing a game this whole episode, and actually, strip sovereign tag. Yeah. <laughs> you know, we're running out of we we've had such we have had two really unex somewhat unexpected. One of them was kind of planned, but kind of unexpected conversations that I think were just phenomenal. So I am wiping out entire segments for this particular episode, and then maybe finally next week we'll get into where because I've got like five six segments planned now. Uh, I'm trying Shit, to make the show sorry. as diverse as possible. Oh, as possible. No, no, no. Don't even worry about it. And uh, I'm especially not going to complain because we got to play the game, baby. And that means 
it's time to take off some more clothes. Woo! Go for it, Stephanie. It's all you. Unless all right, you want you want me to go first this time? Yeah, you go first. All right, I'll this go time. first. You this have time. three things. No, so what is Brian gonna take off? He's got his glasses, uh, his Yubi key around his neck, yep. and his underwear. All right, so I, what is he going to take go. off this well, time? I guess we'll, we'll make it a he's, surprise. Okay, he's standing I didn't up. Didn't even have to take off he's, my headset. He's Ugh. exposing his butt. He's airing oh, his woo. his stuff. Woo. Oh yeah! Oh, now he's playing the butt bongos. That's <laughs> not for fun. long, but oh baby! Oh, Woo. do you feel a cool breeze, Brian? Oh, it's he suddenly just took wow! Took off his underwear, folks. You know, it's hotter. It, it feels hotter in here, but at the same time, it feels colder. It's a paradox. <laughs> Paradox, because you know I, I feel a draft. Speaking of a pair of something, um, you have, are constantly on the lookout for thong underwear, men's thong yes, underwear. I can which Kmart. you can't find. It's yeah, Kmart. It's the only place. Unbelievable. You know you get your underwear at Kmart. I know. It's so yeah. I, I feel know. like you should do a search on Amazon, put it on your wish list, and then some people can buy it. I'm well, sure people would love to buy you sexy underwear. That's probably you know that's something that's something I will uh, I will consider. Mm-hmm. Uh, in fact, you know, if you want to help out the show, I'm just going to say this real quick because we're actually we've been working on this for a while. Studio two um, in the house and wishlist.zog.ninja. It's in the show notes as well. You can find it. If you want to help out, there's a mixer. There's there's a bunch of stuff in there that could really help take everything we're doing to the absolute next level. Wishlist.zog.ninja. If you want to just buy some straight up equipment you know, for us. I mean, the patrons help out a ton, allows for a lot of extra content and amazing things to get done. Um, but this is another way that you can help out the show. Um, yeah. And that would be really helpful. I just want to put in a little word for that. Because sure. Before basically, Before I strip. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I still have my shirt Woo! before I lose my shirt. Um, basically, all you need is a little hundred dollar mixer that you've already picked out. Yes. It's a Yamaha. Yep. You have everything else you need you got a computer you got a microphone you got headphones you have everything else you need to produce high quality audio in studio two right the problem the reason the reason why you can't do that yet is because you don't have that mixer right and that's what you need in order to bring it bring it up to the next level so once that puzzle piece falls into place you will be able to we'll have a second studio in our home yeah and the reason why you can't use this studio more often to make content is because I am normally using the studio. Yeah, because you're <laughs> a professional voice actor. I'm a voice actor. I use right. the studio all day, every day. I'm in here every day. Yeah. I um, mean, and you're literally helping Audible go round and round. You're working with some of the biggest, uh, literally some of the biggest companies in the world yeah, on a that's daily right. basis. And I mean, no joke, like the biggest that you can think of. Thank you. Um, yeah. So, I'm really proud of it. And um, But I do use the studio a lot. I do work a lot. And uh, that means that Brian can't always get in here. If I'm working on something, he can't exactly just come in and start recording right. his stuff because we, you know, we don't have any kind of soundproof division or anything. It would yeah. affect what I was doing. So that's why we need Studio 2. And uh, they, those will be separated by floors. So, yes. you know, they won't bleed. The noise won't leak into each other. But all he needs is that little $100 mixer. So yeah, that's kind of the big part. We would like somebody out there to help us make it happen. Yeah, because everything else, like, and in, in this is meaning, you know, we're going to do video. We've already had uh, great Sovereign Tech listeners donate other equipment, a camera, a bunch of other stuff. I mean, through the wish list. Uh, and it's just been really helpful. And these are just kind of the last pieces. Um, you know, some of it, some of it's kind of a want. But, I mean, there's things that are definitely, you know, a need like, mm-hmm. like that mixer. So anyway, yeah, thank you for, for saying that, Stephanie. But I'm sorry. Look, you, you've you got to drop some trout. Well, you already yeah. dropped trout. Well, I did. Yeah. I don't yeah. have any trout to drop. <laughs> so what are we taking? All right. Well, let's see. Let's see. Here we go. I, I will do the narration. 
Oh boy. Woo. Oh, <laughs> sorry. Oh, this is so good. Oh, 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 no, there's a sleeve getting pulled here. It is. Oh, this can only mean one thing. Woo. Oh, it mic drop. <laughs> here goes the other sleeve. You might want to step a little away from the mic. Oh my God. What a vision. Uh, no, I'm sorry. Oh, my Satan. Uh, oh, oh. <laughs> you. All right. She is pretty much nude. I mean, there. this is and She is dancing around like an Orion animal woman. Uh, this is this is a Star Trek dream come true. Oh, my God. Oh, la- hello, Brian. Wait, I'm that's my microphone. microphone now. Oh, my God. I'm getting oh. a lap dance right now. <laughs> oh, this is nice. Oh, oh mm. okay. All right. That's bad audio, but it felt good to me. Oh, all right. Oh dear. Okay. So yeah. All right. So we're pretty much nude now. Uh, <laughs> you didn't do a very good of job of narrating what I was doing. I, so, well, I didn't know what I didn't want to like. Make I stood it... up. I took one sleeve out. I took yes. the other sleeve out. I turned around so that all you could see was. I mean, my you're back. doing a full dance. Then I took off the shirt. I swirled it around over oh. my head, and then I finally turned around so you could see the tits. And then I came over to your lap, and I started doing a lap dance. Uh, 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 and then I gave you a kiss. I sat down on your lap. And I, and I said hello on your microphone, and then I came back over here. <laughs> I, look, I was speechless. What do you expect? <laughs> I got one of the hottest women on the planet, the hottest woman on the planet, in my opinion. You know, what am I supposed to say? I, I'm, I'm already tongue-tied now, and, <laughs> and I need this thing for later. All right. Well, let's move on. Right. Let's, let's do the rest oh, of the show. Uh, okay. Wow. The, the, there's other things going on. I, I, I dare not narrate. All right. <laughs> I love it. Um, okay, so uh, this is Game Talk. <laughs> We're going to skip HackSec. I had a Facebook story I wanted to talk about. I'm going to skip that. We'll, we'll save it all for next week. Um, I had a, an album of the week. We're going to save that, too. Uh, and, but but Game Talk is... Wow. Um, okay, that yeah, that's distracting. Sorry, <laughs> that's, yes. No, don't apologize. Uh, but anyway, but game talk, but not very professional of me, but that's kind of the point. What are you, What game have you been playing this week? So, yes. In fact, you caught me I, earlier. I caught you playing. You came it. down into the kitchen. I had my laptop set up and, and suddenly you're like, oh, hi, Stallion. And then like, and, and, and I turn around, <gasps> you know, <laughs> no, you don't mind if I play games. Uh, but this is a game that I, I think is really, really cool. Um, did you ever, Stephanie, growing up? Did you ever play Space Invaders? Yes, I did. You and did. I'll tell you where I played it. Yes, that would be the next question because this is a game that's been on like every platform ever made. Go for it. It, it was on every platform because where I played it was on my TI-86 graphing calculator. Whoa! Serious nerd cred. Oh my God. Holy shit. Yeah. Playing it on a graphics calculator. I remember playing that game on my calculator. There was It was a rudimentary version of it, but yeah, it was the same game. Look, if anything could be hotter than this body in front of me, uh, that's hot. <laughs> I did not expect that answer. <laughs> Holy shit. Well, nobody ever expects the stuff that I come up with. Uh, right? <laughs> yeah. Wow. The way to always win is never let them see you coming. I mean, uh, boy, that <sighs> nice. I think okay. I also played it in an arcade, but that wasn't nearly as cool as the calculator. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that no, that's awesome. Yeah, so the first place I ever played it was at a roller skating rink called Skaterama um, in New York, and and yeah, I played it on the arcade. The, you know, it was the, the the big the big machine it with was that a good like arcade game. It's like basically these little monsters come up from above from space. And, yeah, and you're like a rocket ship, and you're kind of shooting at them from. You can hide behind little walls, like so the that shields. They, they call them shields. They're dropping bombs on you. You're yep. shooting up at them. 
you can hide behind the shield so that the bombs don't get you, but you have to come out from under them, obviously, to be able to shoot at them. And if the monsters get down to earth, then you lose. Yeah. So now I'm not just telling you, I mean, because I think everybody's kind of heard of Space Invaders. In fact, I think there's even a movie getting made out of it. That's ridiculous uh, in a bad way, because like there's <laughs> what's the plot? It's not, know, that, not that much to it. Right. Based upon some other recent Hollywood plots I've heard. This is terrible. But anyway, uh, this is a remake that I want people to check out. If you have a Windows computer, like I said, having that's like we talked about earlier having that separate gaming machine off to the right right now not that this requires a lot of you know heavy specs heavy you know uh you know you don't need a gaming computer to be able to run this uh but this is absolutely beautiful the link is in the show notes for it and it's actually made by richard langford who has done quite a few remakes um this is totally free there's no money involved obviously he doesn't own like the rights to the property and that's why he's kind of getting away with it um but this is awesome. So you saw me playing it. In fact, it, like it's really cool what it can do. There's a lot. You can change a lot of the settings. It plays like classic Space Invaders. And it's, you know, Space Invaders, it's such a basic gameplay, but so much fun and, and still requires some interesting skill. It's easy enough to play with just the, the arrow keys and the space bar to fire because it's all there is, you know, moving left and right and the fire button. Um, but you can change a lot of the, a lot of the different settings. You can have different themes. In fact, one of my favorite ones is where it makes it looks like pen and paper, you know, and like all the little aliens coming down, look like they're drawn with like blue ink or something. Yeah. Yeah. Which you saw me doing that. Uh, you can set it for like the, uh, the ZX, uh, spectrum, uh, uh, settings, or you can make it look like it did on the Atari 2600, all the different platforms that you played on, or you could do the original arcade one, or there's even a more modern one, which looks kind of interesting to hear your, to kind of see that take on such a classic game. Um, and you can change, like, you can make it to where the shields move back and forth. Mm. You can make it so that the bombs that the aliens drop uh, actually, like, wave instead Ooh. of go straight down. Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, so there's a lot of different settings that you can set up um, on this that, you know, that they really update the, the style of this game. You know, it, it really makes it into into something special, something different, mm. uh, which I think is, is really, really cool. Uh, so... Yeah, I mean, people can check this out. Uh, again, I, I absolutely love it. I mean, yeah, oh, the best part is, and we haven't done this yet, Stephanie, but we need to, is you can play co-op. Yeah, that's two player gonna, because the original arcade bench, bring that up. Yeah. right? The original arcade, you know, didn't allow for that. It was just a single player affair. But no, this can be two player. How do you feel about that? Oh, Stephanie? I know what we're doing later tonight. Hell yeah, yeah. Maybe instead of Doctor Mario, and after we <laughs> do something else, we'll uh, you know maybe we'll crank out some Space Invaders. Woo! Sounds great. Yeah, I think that'd be a good time. So anyway, link link is in the show notes. Just look under Game Talk. We'll be right back. Babylon Five ended a great war and united a hundred alien races in peace. Danger didn't die. It just went underground with new heroes and new evils to carry the torch. We need to make sure they all understand we will not be intimidated. What is wrong with you people? We have to set him against himself. It's an entire new season of Babylon 5 with all new episodes. Babylon 5 is available for download on your favorite torrent site. See it now to experience the greatest show in television history. Babylon 5. The climax. Woo! We're going right into the climax, baby. And uh, look, we've got nothing else to take off. I mean, <laughs> I'm I, out. I'm completely out. Yeah, I'm not taking off the Yubi key. Um, and I mean, maybe I could take off my watch, but you know, we're naked. <laughs> we're doing a podcast. I'll wash the seats after, just in case we have any guests on in the future <laughs> and they're concerned about that sort of thing. I put some stuff down on the seat. Oh, you did? But yeah, I'm sitting on my clothes. 
Oh, much smarter than I. I toss my clothes across the room. So, okay. So right now your bare ass is on my, my office chair, yeah, my good office chair. Yeah, man. Well, it feels good having that leather on, you know. I mean, <laughs> that's why people wear assless chaps, you know. Oh, I know. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so anyway, um, let's get into the climax here. We've got something really fun uh, to actually review, and it's something we just finished uh, watching season two of. Um, and that is Sense 8. Yes. Now, this is a show I have been requested to review for a long time because season one came out two years ago. Oh, wow. Came out in 2015. Yeah. Um, and and people, you know, right away knew that I would want to, you know, watch this and would be, you know, and we're interested to hear about it because I am a fan of both the Wachowskis because I love the entire Matrix saga. Not just the trilogy, even though I love all three of those movies. Um, I love the entire Matrix saga, including the Matrix Online and all that, uh, which I think a lot of people want to ignore the Matrix Online because it gets into transgender stuff, but I don't care. Uh, so, you know, there's that. And then also I am a huge fan. In fact, people just heard an ad for it for Babylon 5, which Babylon 5 is kind of the first show or not, not the first show, J. Michael Straczynski. So the Wachowskis and J. Michael Straczynski made sense eight. It is a joint effort on their part and it shows. And we'll talk about that. Um, but Straczynski kind of what made his name was, was Babylon five, which is a groundbreaking television show, uh, in a lot of ways, uh, particularly in the fact that, you know, like some of the things we'll talk about that's going on in sense eight. I could, I know that Straczynski has, or JMS as he's called, has wanted to do since the nineties with Babylon five, like having, uh, LGBTQ characters, um, which he was able to slip in the first bisexual, uh, woman character in television history back in the nineties. Um, he, but he had to slip it in. Like a lot of people may not even realize it, uh, that she was, even though she makes it very clear that she was in love with a woman and she slept with a man. Um, but, uh, anyway, so, you know, I mean, Straczynski did other stuff. He did Captain Power, Soldiers of the Future. I mean, he's been around for a while. So, you know, and he's made a lot of helped out a lot with Marvel, has a great comic book history and all this different stuff. Um, so he's a guy that, that a lot of people have respect for when he makes something they watch. Uh, and I don't know exactly how Sense8 is doing in the ratings. I assume it's popular, but it's hard to find people that have watched it. Like, it's hard to find people that's, I mean, a lot of people said, yeah, I've heard of it. I'll, I'll check it out at some point. Yeah, that's how I felt before I started watching it. Like, mm -hmm. I'd heard about it, but I wasn't sure what it actually was. But I think I had heard about it because you said, oh, do you want to watch this new show? And I was like, yeah, yeah, I'll start it later. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, most of the people I talk to who have seen it, they love it. Um, I think the people who haven't seen it probably didn't get past like the first episode because they probably saw, um, I mean, this is a gay fucking show. Like it, it, is, it is so gay. Oh, uh, in the best way. I just right, love it. Right. I mean, like this is, you know, I'll, I'll tell you, this is probably the most subversive show since Star Trek. I like, I think there, there's so much shit getting, getting like, like again, slid in, which Straczynski's a master of you know, uh, getting slid in so many different ideas, you know, accepting transgender issues, uh, mm -hmm. you know, again, the, the whole LGBT spectrum, um, lots of things, lots of ideas, lots of philosophies, you know, all getting slid into this. And, and if you're not like aware of these things, if I was somebody that wasn't aware of them already, like this would definitely be picturing or coloring my world. You know, I'd be like, wow, this is, and, and that's okay. And Straczynski has said that in the past. I mean, you know, if there's anybody in this world, I know, I know Straczynski and, you know, he said it year, decades ago, he said that, uh, uh, you know, Hollywood or, you know, the, the, the television or, or, uh, you know, movie industry is the last bastion of free speech. 
that that's his opinion. Now, how I feel about that is, is neither here nor there, but it's certainly an area where he thinks if you want to get out some revolutionary ideas, this is where you do it. Mm. And I think he really did it with Sense8. There's so much going on in yeah. this show. Um, so just real quick, I'll say what it's about. And then, Stephanie, I want you to break down, you know, what you loved about it. But the, the basic idea here and spoiler alerts, folks, spoiler alerts, spoiler alerts. The basic idea is that there is this other type of human, kind of like Neanderthal, Homo sapien, uh, and Denisovan. But there's this other type of human that's been around for a while. Um, that, homo sensorium. Yeah, homo sensorium that has like this, we're, we're not, I mean, this has to do with eight individuals, but these are people that are like telepathically linked. Mm-hmm. Um, and they can kind of inhabit each other's bodies to a degree, and they can talk to each they other, be in each other's like heads. They can share like skills that they have. Right. Um, they're born in these things called clusters, which is like a group of eight people that are connected to each other. But they can also so-called visit with other sensates that are not in their own cluster. Yeah, well, that's something that started happening more in season two. That mm-hmm. that was kind of a shift. Um, but there's really a mythology getting built around this, you know, homo sensorium, you know, concept um, of what these people can do and you know different abilities and and, and all of this. Uh, but it's interesting because each of these people are dealing with different problems all around the world. Uh, that you know, like it, it. Sometimes it's it's to their benefit. Other times it's to their detriment mm-hmm. um, that that they experience what these other you know what one experiences of the other seven individuals mm-hmm. or, or you know however that 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 ends up taking shape. Um, it's important to point out this is an incredibly like global show, yeah. uh, meaning that you know they lots... filmed it in like twenty different cities or something. For yeah, around the, the first world. And second seasons, yeah. Right. Um, I mean, you have. You know, you have the German character, you have an Indian character, you have a, a Mexican character, a Korean character, um, Kenya, you know, Nairobi, right? American, California. Iceland, yeah, Iceland, yeah, yeah. I mean, like it's 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 taking place all around the world, uh, which is really really exciting, and I think it speaks to really the new direction that most media companies are going towards. Um, it's something I've talked about a lot recently with movies like The Great Wall with Matt Damon and some others where. Some movies in Hollywood are being made China first, meaning that they know that their money is going to get made in China. And so they make it with a, with the Chinese cultural flair, hmm. which I think is fine because like I totally get it. And, you know, I watch and I think it's beautiful and you just have to understand that that's what it that's what it's delivering. Um, and that's that's the kind of the first strength of this show is that. I could picture this being watched all around the world and everybody's going to get like feel kind of kind of represented. You know, that their cultural, their, their, their background is being represented and they can fall in love with a certain character and then they can experience kind of maybe the zaniness of these other parts of the world through the eyes of the character that they can most relate to. Mm-hmm. Uh, so this is, it, you know, just on that alone, I think is almost a guaranteed hit. It's It appears to be kind of a hit. We don't know if it's going to get a season three, even though season two ended with a bit of a cliffhanger. Um, so anyway, but I mean, Stephanie, what do you, you know, what do you think about this show? How do you feel about it? I thought it was really interesting i mean haven't you ever sort of wished that you could literally like step into someone else's shoes for a minute you know and like be with them even when you weren't physically together Mm -hmm. like i think everybody's kind of wished that i definitely have i mean we have the ability to um empathize with people at least most people do sure and sort of understand as best we can what they're going through and where they're coming from but as far as having a really deep connection, you don't get to experience that with many people in your life. Right. Certainly not like usually random people that are across the world. Sure. But this show sort of explores the idea of 
well, what if you could have this incredibly deep, intimate connection where you could literally feel like see what they're seeing and feel like you're right there with them, even though you're not physically together with with random people all over the world. Right. And what if you could like benefit from their skills and their experiences and their perspective? And whenever you need like sort of a helping hand, you won't be alone. You always have the experiences of these other people to back you up right like say you're in a life or death situation you're in a street fight of some kind you're not a street fighter but then like in the in the show sense eight you have the character the the female character of soon uh son who who, from korea Mm -hmm. who she is like this i mean she's like a by night she's a prize fighter you know and and she's like she's great you know she's she's you know full-on martial arts the whole thing and if you could access her abilities for a little while or have her inhabit you for a minute and and thus you know you would ha- have this ability to get out of the street or win this street fight mm-hmm. um you know you that that be able to drive there's a character of Caffius and he drives a bus and he's right. like a really good he has the nickname Van Damme like oh. his bus is painted with Jean-Claude Van Damme there's so <laughs> like much a I could, bus yeah. to get people to ride it and he's like a really good driver and he uses his driving skills and he can like hotwire a car and stuff yeah. like that <laughs> yeah there's so much I could talk boy we could talk about the show for an hour cuz there, there's so much to to dig into yeah um but, but then there's like the the aspect of like, whoa, what happens when they can actually fall in love with each other? Because like some of the characters start to get like romantically interested in each other. Mm-hmm. And then sometimes there's these scenes where they're all having sex and then it just becomes like an orgy because they're all kind of with each other and they're all feeling what the other ones are feeling. So yeah. it's just like this giant orgy. <laughs> yeah, like there's a, there's a scene where the one character is actually like uh, uh, he's working out in a gym and then suddenly he feels like he's you know getting it up the butt i mean like i thought he was just getting kissed by the other guy no 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 well because because uh lito right Uh this the mexican character says like oh yeah yeah i you know i I think he he explicitly says I I, I thought he gave him a blowjob or something. Oh like that. no, I, I think it was something. He said yeah. he had sex. Which I mean, you know, again, these are this is a different type of human. I think it's a good reason. I think it's a good thing they made it clear like that because mm-hmm. the lines of like, well, where is rape, you know, and all that in this. I mean, but they're they're really one organism. So like. I guess kind of making it's love like to an yourself. elaborate form of masturbation. I, I don't know, but yeah. I mean, it would <laughs> because, definitely Because they be even a... describe it, like one of the characters just says that when sensates fall in love with each other that are part of the same cluster, the cluster is like the people that you're directly connected with. Mm-hmm. Um, she even says like, you know, loving within your own cluster is the worst form of narcissism. So they're making it very clear you're you're like one organism in it. Yeah. Uh, so we don't know if that one can be trusted. She's like a character that may have been right. collaborating. Oh, so the other plot is there's this evil company called BPO that may have started out like to preserve and learn about the sensates but actually ended up like mission creeping and changing into an organization that tries to destroy them destroy and control yeah yeah and control them so um so basically all the sensates are kind of like running from this company that's constantly trying to capture them and hunt them down and like experiment on them and stuff and so then they there's characters that are sort of like hunting them and they have to get away so um, where is it going with that? I, I don't know. I mean, that makes it kind of interesting. But at the same time, I feel more interested in the um, other plot line. You know, just I, I don't know, just the relationships with each other and like what's going. They're, they're already kind of chronicling what's going on in eight different people's lives and right. how their fellow sensates are helping them out and out and manage those situations that's interesting enough 
without BPO trying to like hunt them down and get them. Yeah, right. Because I mean, you have like like Sun's character is dealing with like this internal politics within this huge pharmaceutical company that her father owned. It wasn't uh, a pharmaceutical company; it's a finance company. Oh, she, oh she right, just, right. The, the Indian. She, yeah. Okay. Yes. So Kala, the Indian character, works for a pharmaceutical company. Right. Sorry. She yes. ends up discovering because she marries the son of the owner of the company. Mm-hmm. She ends up discovering that they're shipping like bad drugs. And that that might just be the tip of the iceberg. We won't find out until like season three. But uh, Sun, the Korean character, works for a finance company and her brother also works there. He's like a big shot in the company. Her father owns the company. Mother died when she was a little kid and mm-hmm. told her last words were like, take care of your brother. Right. She finds out, Sun finds out that her brother is embezzling from the company and she catches him and she goes to the father uh-huh. And she knows that they're caught. The, the media and the authorities are going to find out. And the only way um, they all see is for her to take the fall for this crime that she didn't do and say, oh, I embezzled this money. Yeah. That's the only way they see to, like, save the company from disgrace or whatever. Yeah. So she confesses to this crime that she didn't commit and she ends up in prison. And remember, she's a fighter. She's like she has this hobby of like martial arts and she's really good because she's been doing it since she was a little kid. Yes. So while she's in prison, she has to defend herself a couple of times because she gets in prison fights and things like yeah, that. Yeah, she ends yeah, up making yeah. some friends. And then um, her father comes to her in prison and says, oh, I'm so sorry. Like I, can't, I haven't been able to sleep. I'm going to tell the truth and get you out of here. But then a few days later, he is found dead. And they, his, her brother says it's a suicide, but. Obviously, it's not. It's her brother right. murder, murdered her father because he was going to tell the truth. And her brother wants anybody who's going to tell the truth that he really committed the crime dead. So then he tries to kill Son. He hires people and tries to like hang her in the in the prison. Mm-hmm. And she gets out of it with the help of a, a fellow convict <laughs> yeah, yeah, who, yeah. who was in there for like killing her abusive husband or something. Right. So it's like, yeah, it's you know, it's not really yeah. a bad, you know. And then they go on the lamb and then she's trying to hunt down her brother. Anyway, that's just one plot line. Like that's interesting enough about like what's going on in her life. Right. And, and then the other characters help her out at various points. So that's interesting enough without yeah. even bringing BPO into it. But yeah. Yeah. So, but that, so my point, the reason with the pharmaceutical company is that they like in the first season, the first few episodes, they make it clear that that financial company is funding pharmaceutical companies. Yeah. And then the woman in India, she's working for her and like her husband ends up like, mm. you know, pretty much owning or is the son of the owner of a pharmaceutical company. So I think in the future, there's going to be some kind of synergy there. Something, yeah. Something's going to connect. And the company um, makes these drugs like the character in Kenya, like his mother has AIDS or HIV. Right. And so they're tr- like, he can't get medication from her. He's trying to get it from the black market. Yeah. And th- probably that pharma company makes those drugs and like exports them to Kenya and stuff. Yeah. So it's interesting how a lot of their business, personal business lives like actually interact mm-hmm. and, you know, to, to varying degrees uh, to or separation of degrees. Um, yeah. I mean, you know, this idea of like a lot of different plot lines and interweaving plots like th- that's totally Babylon five. I mean, Straczynski is, is is the king of doing that sort of thing where he has a million, million different plot lines, uh, you know, going on at the same time now. But the unique thing about Straczynski is that like the X-Files did this. I can think of a lot of shows where they had a bunch of different conspiracies, a bunch of different plot lines that you had to deal with like each season or something. But a lot of times they'd never get sewn up. I mean, there's so much like, especially with the X-Files, there was so much shit over all those years. And I love the X-Files. Like, I mean, I love them. Uh, you know, that never, that still to this day have never really been solved. I mean, that they, they just don't, 
they just never put it together. Uh, Straczynski is good at solving all this stuff, but also he's unique in that I think a lot of shows today, I feel like, are constantly problem, 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 problem. You know, you get a solution for a second and there's like a happy moment for one second, but then it's back to problem, 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 problem. The nice thing about Sense8, and this is totally Straczynski, is that he will do episodes where you get payoff, where you finally get, no, you know what? This is going to be happy-go-lucky. There's going to be some actual growth for this character. They're actually going to get to the next level and it's not going to be shit for them. Mm. You know, so like this is, there's plenty of moments in the show that are absolutely happy. Mm. I mean, which is so rare on TV. In fact, hell, I have to think that, that that's the reason th- there's so many depressed people in the world. It's because we don't have enough shows with, you know, with, with, with like genuine, you know, it can have kind of a happy ending and that can be the reality. You know, a happy ending really can be the reality or something uh, because that's another aspect that I think the show does well is it like debunks a lot of the tropes that you see in television and in Hollywood in general. Uh, like there's the scene where, you know, no, I won't say when this happens where they're shooting the, the gas tank of a car and a wolf, the character Wolfie, the German guy says, it's like, not that just works in the movies. You don't shoot a, a gas tank and it just blows up, you know? And, and it was like, it was so cool to finally hear some reality, you know, for one. So, so I think the show is very grounded in reality for the fantastical things that it's kind of uh, showing off. So, uh, you know, I, I love it for that. Like yeah, I another happy part that I sure. really liked was the, there's a character who's an actor in Mexico, Lido. Mm-hmm. And um, he is gay, but he's clo- he's in the closet. And originally, he, yeah, like no, he's a he's a huge actor in Mexico. Nobody knows that he's gay, right? And he's got women coming on to him, and he's like, "Sorry, my heart belongs to another." Yeah, and you know, he doesn't tell anyone that he's actually gay, right? <laughs> and he has this beard that like this girl that he goes out that he takes to movie premieres that so everybody nobody suspects. But, yes, but she, um, you know, one day she shows up at his house because she wants to sleep with him, but. She comes in and finds out that his boyfriend is there. Yeah, finds his lover. Yeah. yeah. And she goes, oh, no, 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 this is perfect because I love gay porn and I I want to stay with you guys. And also I'm on the run from this guy that wants to marry <laughs> me, but he's also kind of abusive. So maybe yeah. I stay with you guys and be protected. So so they, they live together for a while and they all become friends. Um, but eventually she takes a picture of them on her phone having sex. Mm-hmm. And... Somehow the guy that wanted to marry her gets a hold of the picture and uses it to try to blackmail Leto because right. he doesn't want anyone to know that he's gay. But um, and and so first he he you know pays him and and says don't release the picture, and um, Daniela the girl goes back to him and she gets beat up, and his boyfriend says, look, I can't be with somebody who is a coward like that. Yeah, and so he thinks about it for a couple of days and then eventually says, you know what, you're right goes to the the thug and says, you know what? I don't care what you do with this picture. I'm taking her. Come on, let's go. Yeah. And um, and he saves her. Yeah. And then he has and then that he gets big, his boyfriend back. Right. And he has a big coming out moment like in Sao Paulo where Well that's there's more before that. Oh yeah. Before yeah. that, um so the picture gets out on the internet. The yeah. guy releases the picture and everybody's laughing at him. He starts losing jobs. Yep. His agency drops him. Yeah. But then he gets asked to like Mar- MC this gay pride parade in Sao Paulo. Mm-hmm. And so they all go and he gives this big passionate speech and it's, and he kisses his boyfriend and right. it becomes like a viral hit. It gets millions of views. And then he starts getting parts, but in LA, not in Mexico. Yeah. And then he goes to these parties in LA and it's like, everybody's gay. And they're all just like so nonchalant about it being out and gay. Yeah. And he's like, it's finally, it's like a very happy moment. Like he can be out. 
Yeah. And there's no problem. <laughs> yeah. It, it's, I love it for that, that it's not just constantly bad, bad, bad. I mean, I, I can think of so many shows where it's like, oh, and even when you think something just turned good, it just, they, they instantly make it bad. And there's plenty of points where, nope, it stays good. And it just keeps riding that high, uh, which I think is, is just, is, is awesome. Um, so, yeah, I mean, and this is also probably the first show I can think of where you have a full on, absolutely 100% genuine uh, transgender uh, uh, woman actor, yeah, mm-hmm. uh, actor on the show, and and she was That's Jamie Clayton, right? Yeah. Uh, she was a man, and she's been a woman for for some time now. Yeah, uh, which is another interesting thing too that I found out when I was initially researching the show, uh, or not initially, but when I've been recently researching the show, was that in 2016, both of the Wachowskis are now women. Um, originally, really? yeah, originally just Lana you know, became, it was because yeah. they used to be, when they made the Matrix, they were the Wachowski brothers. Right. And then Lana ended up, be, you know, well, she's Lana. She mm-hmm. became a woman uh, a few years ago. But then in 2016, um, the other Wachowski brother now is now Lily. So they're the Wachowski sisters. Wow. Yeah, they both oh are Oh my now. gosh, that's so cool. I agree. I think that's fantastic. Uh, so, and, and I think that shows. I think their understanding of what people in the LGBT spectrum mm-hmm. go through um, oh, it's so obvious. It's the, there and, yeah. and they can write it with such passion and so legitimate. And it's it's really it's a special show mm. for, for that alone. I, I think that's really, really powerful stuff. Yeah, um, I, 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 I love it for that. Uh, so now who, who would you say is your favorite character? Of like, say, out of the sensates, you know, or out of the, the the main eight characters. Oh, it's so hard to pick a favorite character, but you have a favorite. Come on. Well, I have a favorite actor. That's Max Remelt, who plays Wolfgang. He is yeah. so hot, and I just, <laughs> I just think he's such a good actor. And <laughs> I, I admit, does he have is, a nice ass? I have to say. He does some nude scenes, yep. yeah, and he's really good looking. And um, I don't know, I just something so, there's something that draws me to him. I don't really know what it is, but um, I do have a thing for German accents. Oh, oh, oh! Don't don't get that out there. Anyway, go ahead. <laughs> Why not? <laughs> well, because then every German guy. I mean, I know I have a lot of German listeners. Really, so, I've never heard any of them. Come talk to what me. What are you talking about? <laughs> of course I do. Anyway. Well, I I don't know. Maybe it's because you don't have a call-in show, but I just, yeah. So I just don't know about it. But but yeah, I have a weird fetish for German male voices, and his is no exception. I really like his. I I don't know. I just really like his acting. Sure. So I'll, he's got a fan, <laughs> <laughs> and and the character that he plays is is really interesting too. He, like it's interesting that his name is Wolfgang because he is kind of like a lone wolf. Like he doesn't talk much. Yes. He's kind of like has trouble asking for help and. I can really relate to that because I can be a lone wolf sometimes too. Sure. And I can be like, you know, it's, it's, it is hard for me to like reach out to people and ask for help sometimes, even when I'm in a really difficult situation. Yeah. And even sometimes like the more difficult it is, the less likely I am to reach out for help. Yeah. Um. So sometimes I wish I just had eight people who, or eight or seven other people who like knew when I needed them. <laughs> but, but I feel like I do. I feel like I have a lot of great friends that can tell like when something is wrong and they ask me what's going on. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> sort of like a spidey sense. Yeah. Well, I think that's another idea that I don't know that they necessarily intended on that Straczynski and the Wachowskis, uh, you know, intended on, but I feel like, you know, kind of the, I mean, it's fiction of course, but sort of the logical play that kind of shows off and, and you know, what, what, what gets parlayed, like it, it sort of shows the strength, I think, of kind of the Dunbar number, you know, of like 
you know, keep it in this yeah, with like the power of what the small knit group can do. Yeah. Uh, and I, I think that's, that's fantastic. I mean, it's almost like a biologically forced union of egoists. I, I think it's really slick. Uh, so uh, anyway. What about you? Do you have a favorite character? Well, I was going to say, actually, besides the character of Wolfgang, mm-hmm. I really like the character uh, Leto as well. Yeah, like, he's, he's hilarious. Just, like, I, I just really like his... I don't know. I just like his story and I'm glad that it has sort of a happy ending. And I'm so glad that it's like gay issues are coming to the forefront, LGBT stuff. Also, like Nomi's story is interesting, too. She's the one that's played by Jamie Clayton, a transgender actress. And she's got this girlfriend named Amanita. Yeah. Which is a mushroom. <laughs> Amanita phylloides, which is like the magic mushrooms. Yeah. Like, oh, that man. People take in the tripping. And anyway, so she's got a girlfriend named Amanita. And Amanita's family is very interesting because her mother is like this, quote, nice Jewish girl from Brooklyn or something yep. that in the 70s. I guess had a thing for black guys. So she had like these. She was three, hanging with these, all the Black Panthers and everything. And, yeah, yeah, these three guys that were Black Panthers. And then, like, I don't know, she got pregnant and they didn't know which one of them was the father. So they just all like <laughs> lived together and raised her as though they were all her father. I and did she not plan on, this. On folks. all of her <laughs> forms in school, that she said she had three dads and she would list them all. Like the Lions family, huh? Yeah, and it it came out fine. Well, I mean, again, it's fiction, but yes, yeah. Yeah, but it's, You can see how it works. It's probably based on something that's kind of, like, not that far from the truth. You know, like, there's lots of people who grew up in communes, right? Sure, sure. Especially children of the 70s, you know? Well, I think think that really, like, there's a couple, there's two or three other collaborators with the show that often take up the directorial uh, uh, um, responsibilities. For Straczynski, which is interesting because Straczynski and the Wachowskis are all great directors. I mean, Straczynski is a phenomenal director. Um, so maybe those other people that they bring in to do some of the directorial roles uh, maybe have experience with those kinds of lifestyles uh, mm. because it seems like they brought that in. Like you definitely Straczynski's style is all over the writing, like how he brings the narrative together. But then like a lot of the more social issues that come up and it are obviously the Wachowskis can deal with them. And maybe these other directors, I don't know much about them. Maybe they have more experience with that. And that's what makes all of it feel so visceral and real, uh, mm. which, which is, is so cool. Um, as far as my favorite character. Yeah. I was going to ask you. Uh, I, I love Sun. I think she's she's awesome. She's so cool. Yeah, she's so cool. Yeah, she like, just doesn't take any shit. Yeah, I can really, really relate to her. Is is you know in a, in a lot of ways. She's um, so like deadpan. Like her face almost never makes any expression except to, like almost to roll her eyes sometimes when she knows like her brother is yeah to her. But it's kind of cute. Like I, I yeah I, I I dig it anyway. Yeah. Um, and I I kind of like that delivery. But um, is it Caffius? Is that that? Yep. So like I, so there, he's said now actually two actors have played Caffius. Uh, he's a black yeah. character in, um, in Kenya, in Nairobi. Kenya. He yeah. lives in sort of like the slums of Nairobi and right. he drives this bus to make a living, but he obviously gets like, you know, encounters a lot of issues like the bus, the original bus that he has is not very good. So it like needs, it breaks down. And yeah. it also like he encounters like gangsters that like hold him up when he's, trying to just drive his route they rob him he tries to buy like drugs for his mother for hiv but he gets like robbed for the drugs and the money yeah and so then he tries to get these drugs back because he loves his mother he lives with his mother in like a one-room shack he sleeps on the Mm -hmm. couch and he's trying to get these drugs for her and he gets robbed 
And so then he channels like son to help him fight off these guys right. and get his money and drugs back. And then he gets this reputation for being like Jean-Claude Van Damme because his well, bus is called the Van Damme. <laughs> yeah. So, well, that's that's why that's where I relate the most is that and actually like with literally Van Damme, like I totally got that. I totally understood what what the writers were trying to parlay, portray with like because like him and his best friend, they talk about like the spirit of Jean-Claude, mm -hmm. like, the, you know, like they they almost literally worship Jean-Claude Van Damme. Yeah. And like, I totally get that. You know, I mean, me. You know, when I was growing up, like you, you kind of had these various action heroes, you know, you had Stallone, you had Schwarzenegger, you had uh, uh, Seagal, you had, uh, you know, I mean, everybody and then you had Van Damme. I mean, and everybody kind of had their favorite. Right. And my favorite, like, was always Van Damme. I mean, oh, my really? favorite. Yeah, yeah, my favorite Van Damme movie. Uh, in fact, it's funny when we were watching the show, I said, I guarantee you he's going to watch Lionheart. You know, because that's my favorite Van Damme yeah. movie. Between that and Black Eagle, and those are my did. two favorites. And, and, and that's exactly Lionheart. what he was watching. And and like the speech he, he gives. He said he would watch it whenever he needs courage. Exactly. I could totally, like, you have no idea how much I can relate to that. Like, I'm like, yes. Like, I, I mean, I love the line in Lionheart where, you know, oh, man, I, I get goosebumps just thinking about it. You know, just where Van Damme's like, wrong bet. I mean, it, it's, it's, it's all such great shit. But he describes, like, he gets asked. I forget which one of the Sensates asks uh, Caffius, you know, like, what's the big deal about Jean-Claude Van Damme? And, and it's like ironic because he calls his van that he drives everybody around and he calls it the Van Dam, you know, because it's a van. Um, he talks about how, like, when he sees Van Dam like, do things, when he sees all these, like, fictional characters do this stuff, he he, he says, like, it it makes him feel like, I, I can't possibly reiterate the speech the way he gave it, but it was so beautiful. And I, and I, I, that's, I totally understand it, where he was just saying that it made him feel like he could do those things. You know, like, like when you see something so larger than life that it's something you can actually strive for and that you can do yourself, you know, and all that. And you want to be careful, obviously, you know, with where do you draw the line between reality and fantasy, blah, blah, blah. I get it. But I, I so understand that, that like, the, you know, just, it's inspirational to see these characters, you know, with, with these abilities and everything, not, not in sensate, but like I'm saying, you know, say like with Van Damme or whatever, like I definitely watched his movies for inspiration going up, just like I'd watch Rocky or, you know, or Conan or something. Um, so yeah, Caffius, like I, I get it. I, he, he's kind of, he's becoming, so spoiler alerts in the second season, he starts to become a politician and I can't relate with that so much. Yeah. He starts to run for office. Yeah. But certainly the first season and like the first half of the second season, I totally relate to that character. Yeah. Like I, I, I get it, you know, even though I didn't grow up in anything remotely like the slums, I, you know, I do, I do understand like his, you know. I don't know his morality. I guess you could say uh, standing his, up to his bullies. outlook and, and yeah, and all this different stuff. Like I, yeah. I get that. Um, so that that you know, he, I don't know if he's my favorite, but I get him. <laughs> you know, like I, I appreciate that. So yeah, just a super cool show. Nothing else quite like it out there. And yeah. I think it is it is really one of the vanguards of a very new breed of show where everything is going to be global. Yeah. You know, uh, I don't want to use the word international because it says there needs to be nations, but you know, international, I'll just say it there. It's an international show that, that anybody could pick up on any market, you know, anywhere around the world and they could get it. They could understand, you know, what's, what's being shown to them. And of course I love Straczynski. I say it all the time. Babylon five is the greatest show ever made. And Straczynski is just knocking it out of the park once again. Uh, you know, it's just so impressive. Like I see his style is writing and, and it's fantastic. Uh, the Wachowskis are delivering uh, once again, which in fact, there's some stuff in it. That's a little like they're almost 
taking word for word from the previous work. Like they had a, a great movie called uh, uh, Ninja Assassin that I love um, from a few about a decade ago. And there's like been a couple lines where it's like you pulled that right from Ninja Assassin. But that's fine because that's that's great work. That's the other cool thing, too, is because you have these different cultures and like these different abilities with everybody, you know, you really can kind of like everybody can have a favorite character, I think you know, somebody that they can really relate to, which is, that's also kind of rare for a show to have that many main characters. Uh, and it, yeah, it's, it's just, it's, it's fascinating exploration. What, will you have any, uh, any final thoughts on, on the show? Um, at first, you know, I, I'll admit the first episode, if you're thinking of watching it, Oh, this is great know, to bring up the first couple episodes, especially the first one. It's really confusing. Very confusing. You're like, what the fuck is going on You've here? You've got to get past that first episode. Yeah. Yeah. I, you know, it's funny. I feel like I'm talking about Babylon 5. I'm sorry if I keep bringing that up, but it's by the same guy. I keep telling people, look, the first season of Babylon 5 is a little rough. You got to get, and I mean, that's a whole season. We're just asking for one episode with this one, but you got to get past that because it's the setup. Mm-hmm. And this is the same thing. The first episode's confusing as shit, but you got to get through it. And then it, I guarantee everything's going to pay off. Just like with Babylon <laughs> five, you get past the first season, everything will pay off. Don't worry. Uh, and yeah, that's a great point to bring up. Continue. Yeah. Yeah. So just, just be aware of that. And also um, I actually found the first season especially was very violent mm. and it, I mean, it was, it was sexy and it had a lot of sex. And Lots lot of, of sex in the show. A lot of yeah. gay sex, which was amazing. Yep. And that was what really made me stick with it. But it was also quite violent. Sure. And I, I'm very sensitive to violence in movies and TV, mm-hmm. and I don't like it. And so it was, it honestly, it was a little hard for me to get through it. And it was also like, I don't know, especially sort of the plot line where they had sort of like the medical torture aspect yeah. was was very disturbing for me. And I just didn't like watching it. So um, I would say, like, don't watch it late at night before you go to bed. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. You had one bad night with it. I yeah, it was yeah. like kind of scary at, at times. But then it got better. It got yep. way better once you get through the first like, you know, the first half of the first season um, and then to season two. It's it's much better. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and, and that's, you know, that's another point I want to bring up is that the amount of sex in this and things that I never thought, I mean, full on orgies, the whole thing that I never thought I'd ever see on TV in my life. It oh, is great. so, ex- I mean, on, you know, in something that is being schlepped off to people as a, as a television show, obviously you can watch porn and you can see everything, but you know, in something like this with a budget and all that, I never thought I'd see this sort of stuff. It's the most exciting, uh, sexuality a display of sexuality since honestly since Spartacus, mm. um, which is another show, very violent, but you know, tons of sex, gay sex, the whole thing, you know, and and still next to Babylon Five, in my opinion, the greatest show ever made. Uh, Spartacus easily. Sense eight, you know, another couple seasons, it might be taken it might be taking some top spots. Yeah. Uh, so I think if they do another season of Sense Eight, I would love to see it season three. Yep. Um I would like to get I guess a little bit of resolution with the BPO plotline. I would like them to sort of explain um, what was motivating sort of the dude that's been hunting them. Whispers. Yeah, whispers, the guy that's sort of like hunting them down. And I'd like them to explain more about the history of the company and why they're going after Sensates or whatever. And I would also like them to explain like to introduce maybe more characters that are sensates mm-hmm. and have them explain more about what sensates are and how they work 
Yeah, I guess what I'd like to see in the future is, now, I mean, and Straczynski can do this, where he can make it so that um, the show, like, you could end the BPO plotline, and then you could have something far, far deeper. And, like, mm-hmm. I'd love to see some, like, ancient Egypt shit with, <laughs> you know, with, with Homo Sensorium. Yeah. And uh, that that would be pretty cool. But the one flaw I have with the show so far, now, the third, or if there's a third season, if there's a fourth season, later seasons might change this fact. The one flaw I have, and this is a problem with a lot of modern shows for me, uh, which is why I usually don't hold them in very high regard, is they're not rewatchable. Like, I don't I don't think I'd bother to watch to watch it over again, you know, unless they they lay out some really crazy shit later on. Um, like, this is the problem I have with, ba- with the new Battlestar. One of the big problems I have with the new Battlestar Galactica, I have a lot of problems with it, is that I don't think it's a rewatchable show, especially when you see the ending. You're like, well, fuck, that's it. This is shit. And, um, you know, so. I think it might be. I mean, I think I, especially with the first part of the first season when I was still getting to know the characters, I feel like I missed a lot of stuff that if I watched it again, it would make more sense the second time around. Yeah. Okay. So let me, let me rephrase. So yeah, right. You're a great point. So I could see watching it again, but not again, like <laughs> not I could again see, and again, <laughs> right. You know, there's show like Babylon five, Star Trek, uh, the original 79 Battlestar Galactica, Buck Rogers, you know, like I can go down a whole list of shows that I could watch them season after season over and over again, nonstop. And there's always something great, even when you know what's going to happen, even when you know what's coming. Um, and I, and that's the problem with a lot of them. I, you know, I think of what it is, is modern television to hook, to keep people watching, to hook them, to keep their attention. You have to do like these crazy mysteries. The thing is, is that once you know, the mystery, I don't know. It doesn't like it, it's, it's kind of over, like, like what made the show great the first time was not knowing. And now that, you know, I don't think, I mean, it could be fun to watch it again to see how did it get there and what are the little plot points maybe you missed. But after that, I, I don't see the point to, to watching it again. Um, as to where like a Spartacus is another one where I can watch that over and over again, oh, even though I know Spartacus what's happening. Great. Right. That's the thing is the action, the visuals, a lot of that is so solid. You can keep enjoying that, you know, over and over again. Uh, and you know, you can just watch it endlessly as to where I, I think that's the only flaw I'd give sense eight, um, or no, there's one other flaw, but that the big flaw that I give it is that I don't think it's a, it's an endlessly rewatchable show, um, which just, but that seems to be a problem with most modern television today. Um, that it's not, that it's not rewatchable. So the other problem is, and here's spoiler, be very clear, spoiler alerts here. Um, well, I don't have to give away what's happening. There's, it had one flaw in the first season. And it was the very last episode of the first season where they did something that just did not make sense. Um, I'm sure there's a way they could explain it, but this didn't, this didn't fly. There's a point where a character actually it's Wolfie is trying to get away and he's making a bomb. Uh, He's making like a Molotov cocktail. He's in a shootout and he's, he's trapped in a kitchen. Right. And the, the guys that he's shooting against are trying to break in. Sure. Okay. So, um, so the Indian woman, Kala, Kala, she, she, comes to visit him. she appears, mm-hmm. which they have kind of a relationship, but anyway, mm-hmm. she appears and she helps him cause she's, she works at a pharmaceutical company. She's a chemist. She's a chemist. So she uh, knows how to make a bomb. Right. She starts making it and how she lights it is she rips off part of her apron mm-hmm. and he's wearing leather. Like, I mean, he's not really wearing clothing that could be ripped. Yeah. So, so she starts ripping off part of her apron to use it as the wick for the bomb mm-hmm. or for, for the cocktail. And that's where I was like, oh, you screwed up, you know, because like, yeah, okay, she's mentally there, but they're not physically there. Mm-hmm. 
you know, and, and so that, that was the one thing. And I had heard somebody else, uh, Steve Gibson, actually of the security now podcast. He had said that he said, there's one flaw in the last episode. And as soon as I saw that, I said, Oh, that's what Steve was talking about. Mm. Cause he wouldn't tell you what it was, but I was like, no, that has to be what he meant. Um, so that, that was a little bit of a, you know, a flaw as far as like interior, uh, consistency, mm. you know, within the show, but otherwise perfect show. I agree. It, it, it's just, it's fantastic. So anyway, there's some loose ends that I wish they kind of wish they would tie up. Like, I don't know. There's a lot of loose ends. Yeah. Like what happened to that? There was like this sort of like drug deal gone bad with Riley in the first season where she was DJing and she goes back to this guy's oh, apartment. Oh, that dude. Yeah. There's like a couple guys that end up dead and she ends up with this money and drugs and she's like, I don't know what the fuck to do with it. So she gives it to like this blind guy playing the piano in the subway yeah, and throws the is... drugs in the trash. And then later he comes out, the, one of the guys comes after her and says, I want my money and drugs. And she's like, I don't have it. And he tries to kill her. And uh, it does seem Will like that Hale was forgotten. Escape. Yeah. 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 And then like, I don't know, the end of season one is like they Riley gets captured and Will like saves her. He like goes to Iceland and he infiltrates BPO. And Please do out. still watch the show, folks. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I know we're spoiling everything. Keep going. But then like the whole second season is them just like shooting up heroin together and like hiding out. And no, I know that whole no appeal. It's just dumb. Like it's yeah. just like they're literally just doing heroin the whole time, and it, that just like dumb what they did with that. Yeah, the advantage of course having eight lead characters is that you've got the other six people to like yeah, do tremendous stories story. with, and, and they do. You <laughs> yeah. know, like they 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 do amazing stuff. I like uh, the hacker aspect too with Nomi and how she has that oh. friend who's a hacker, and he like gets all this. Yeah, they, they can do, almost do anything. You know, I got to give them credit, and this is again more of that realism that the Wachowskis and Straczynski brings. Like. Like the, the hacking, quote unquote, looks pretty legit, mm-hmm. fairly legit. Something that you could do anyway. Yeah. Like, I mean, because a lot of times you have to do what's called cinemagenic, where you have to make something look interesting for people to watch. Oh, um, like in that movie Hackers, where like, they just have the green lines of code, like flying up yeah. the screen. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah. That's supposed to be hacking. <laughs> right. Yeah, exactly. Like hacking as a GUI or something. Um, yeah, that that's right. I've reviewed Hackers long ago on this show. Uh, I love that movie, but the hacking that's on display is absolute bullshit you know like just straight bull like it looks nothing like that not saying that i should know but um yeah like i mean a lot of the stuff going on is command line i mean they, they really did a very legit job uh i think as, as far as that goes so yeah that's that's a cool part too there's there's so much to love about the show there's something for in my opinion everybody, everybody to love. Yeah. Uh, i will tell you though if you're of like a conservative mindset you're in for a mind fuck. I mean, because, it, 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 you know, and that that's the only reason I can imagine why you don't hear most people talking about it is because I think people like see it like in the very first episode you have, you know, you've got a black woman stooping a transgender woman. You know, I mean, and I think people probably saw that. And, and I mean, you even see, you know. You see the you see a rainbow strap on being flung yep, to the floor. <laughs> you see a wet strap on getting tossed across the room. I mean, and I think a lot of people saw that and said, fuck this. You know, and like, I'm not, I'm not going to watch this. And, and what a pity, because it's actually a great show, even beyond all of that, though, that's part of what, in my opinion, makes it great. Mm. Um, so anyway, well, I think we've done enough cultural subversion uh, this week on Sovereign <laughs> Tech. Uh, in fact, I didn't expect Sense8 to be so relative to some of the stories that we talked about, but it was. Yeah, um, it's all connected. It's man. all connected, man. We're all Sense8s. <laughs> <laughs> so. Uh, well, sometimes I feel like we have a, a connection like that. Uh, you know, I so, you know, speaking of Zuckerberg, 
let's bring it full, full circle. Oh, how boy. we open the show. Zuckerberg has said that telepathy is really the ultimate goal of like of communication. And now the way he wants to do it, I think is horseshit, but whatever. I mean, like at least I, I, I kind of agree. I like, I get where he's coming from. Um, in fact, one of the great points that the show, the show sensei brings up is there's, there's where the guy is kind of talking from a, from an academic perspective saying, you know, what if, and, and this isn't even a new idea in science fiction, you know, what if humans didn't like, what if language wasn't the original way that humans communicated? What if there's other ways and language just ended up winning out, mm. uh, you know, as, as being the way, but maybe it's not even the most preferable way. It just happened to be the way that kind of won out because it allowed for lies and secrecy and all this different stuff. Mm. I mean, very interesting concepts. Um, there's a great book called, I think, I think the title of it was Cro-Magnon from the nineties. It's fiction where in Afghanistan, um, a, a, you know, people find in Afghanistan, they, they actually find uh, uh, Neanderthals still alive. And they find out that Neanderthals actually do communicate with telepathy. Um, I mean, it's a fiction book, but it's a, it's a lot of fun. But it's from the 90s, way before Sense8. Mm. Um, but kind of speaks to this idea that maybe, you know, other types of humans communicated in completely different ways. Yeah, and also in the show was the idea that those humans who had telepathy were like hunted down and trying to extinct them. Right. By, yeah. the, by the human, by the Homo sapiens. Yeah, because Homo sapiens hate anything that's different. Uh, yeah, I mean, but I, I agree. I'd love, I'd love that ability. You know, I remember in the show uh, SG-1, in Stargate SG-1, there's the, uh, the Tolan, I think their, their names were. And it was like this advanced human species. And they had a device that would actually allow you to not transmit your thoughts, but transmit your emotions. And, like, there's a scene where the kind of the, the one of the lead guys for the Tolan, like, does it with uh, or like has touches the device and then has the character Samantha Carter touch the device and she feels how he feels about her mm. and I just think it's an incredibly romantic and sexy scene mm. you know and I was always like man I want a device like that to be yeah. able to just openly share you know like your empathy or your emotions you know with um with somebody how you really love them I I think that'd be powerful you know, like yeah. it, because words can't communicate. I mean, they just can't. They can't communicate everything, you know. Uh, and I think that's another that's another aspect they're touching on. I'm glad that there's a lot of this happening in Asia because, you know, I talk about this a lot. Like in Japan, there's the concept of invention, which is that, you know, there are things that words do not communicate that everything else does. It's not just body language. Like there's so much mm. uh, that goes into it. Uh, and, uh, yeah, it kind of touches on that too, which I think is cool. So anyway, great show with that. Would, is that awesome show? Awesome yeah. show. Yeah. Total. You I know, hope we didn't bore everybody who hasn't seen it yet with our reviews, but I, mean, I, I feel like maybe only the people who have seen it will know what we're talking about, but <laughs> well, a lot of people have asked me to talk about it. Mm. So I'm guessing a lot of listeners have seen it. Um, and so then there you go. You got our review. It's great. I, I really don't have other than the two problems, the rewatchability and that one little flaw at the end of the first episode or at the end of the first season. Um, no flaws. So awesome show. Check it out. Uh, Stephanie, of course, people can find you at smvoice.info. That's right. Uh, and also sexandsciencehour.com. Which we'll be starting up in a couple weeks. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. That's our podcast. Yes. Yeah, that we do together. Uh, so this is kind of a sex and science hour. Maybe I'll even make that part of the title. We'll see. So anyway, uh, of course, if you want to donate to the show, uh, SovereignTech.com, if you want to become a patron, get access to hundreds of hours of exclusive content, new content that comes out every week. Don't forget that, to, that well, on Sunday, which is probably when people, it's going to be Sunday by the time I post it. Uh, <laughs> uh, April 20, or sorry, May, oh, May, May 28th, 4 p.m. Eastern, we're going to do, uh, do a live Q&A hangout so anyway, I will see all of you on the other side. Stephanie, thank you for being on the show. Woo! Carpe weekend.
Wow, there it is. She said it. All right. See you on the other side. You just experienced Sovereign Tech. Go to SovereignTech.com. That's S-O-V-R-Y-N-Tech.com. And connect with us there. Find links from today's show and catch our podcast feed. Sovereign Tech is copy heart. Copying art is an act of love. And love is not subject to law. So please, share the show however you like. Welcome to the evolution.